The Final Fantasy Entertainment and Podcast Network Final Fan TV presents Final Podcast. And now, your host, the warrior of hate. God, it makes me so hype every time. Oh, I love it. All right, so uh, what you just heard, and I, I don't know why we do it, man, but I got it. I just want to bring that hype, and it's Fuzz Pixels. That was Sid's theme, but it's post-hardcore. So if you haven't heard of Fuzz Pixels, please go check out Fuzz Pixels. Awesome. I love that music. Uh, and then that voice that you heard, that, vo- that, that just deep Scottish accent, that was the author of the Greek myths that inspired Final Fantasy VII and the Norse myths that inspired Final Fantasy VII, M.J. Gallagher! Yeah! How's it going, everyone? Uh, Thank you so much for having me back on, Dan. I really appreciate the the invite. Delighted to be here to talk all things Final Fantasy VII. Man, I'm happy to have you back on. I know this was super uh, last minute. I was like, yo, you want to be on the show? And uh, I even did the same thing for Schrodinger's baby seal right there. What's up? Hi, man? guys. How's everybody doing? Doing great, man. Glad to have you guys on. And now the reason why... Hey. I, uh, yeah, what's up? Oh, no, I'm just, hey. Hey, man. <laughs> hey, what are you going to do? You know? <laughs> yeah. I'm not finished. <laughs> It's always a good time having you guys on. Uh, besides uh, just always being a good time, I had to reach out to you guys because Dr. Robert Moult has contacted me. And he was like, listen, yeah. I have a lot of questions. Uh, <laughs> yes, I have a lot of questions regarding Final Fantasy VII Remake's mysteries that were um, you know, brought up in that game. And we're hoping that Rebirth answers them. Now I was like, well, you know, I can do my best. But I mean, why do my best when I can bring on <laughs> <laughs> you guys? Uh, just the the lore masters, I should say. Uh, but Dr. Robert Moat, how you doing, man? I am thrilled beyond measure because this is the first time I've ever been able to speak directly <laughs> with the legendary Mo Gallagher, and I'm going to take an advantage of that to show him something, and I'm going to get him as beat red as I possibly can. <laughs> Long before okay. you were publishing books, and I was able to get physical copies with, like, nice covers and whatnot, at the time, fiancé knew that I loved reading stuff on, fa- on, on fanfic, I think it was fanfic.org, Mm-hmm. Where there was no way to get your books. You could just print out pieces of paper. And my wife, for Christmas, her first gift to me, was to take all of your writings in this somewhat crappily bound <laughs> book. Where it's the, this is how I... This was my first version of your book. So really that drives home what an honor it is to me that I get to actually talk with you. All that's, Thank that's you so incredible. much for everything you do for the community. So I have the normal nice copies of books for for you know just for of novelization of ff7 and etc and the various myths books etc but this one's always gonna have a special place in my heart because it's the ghetto wow that's i'm absolutely blown away by that i'm I'm so touched thank you that's um you've probably got an older version of my work than i do uh (laughs) um, wow that's that's incredible 
Um, thank you so much for sharing that. I, I I don't know what to say. I'm just I'm I'm so grateful to uh, to be able to actually speak with you in in, in person. You know, uh, for anyone that, that that follows my work, I'm just as I keep saying, I'm just grateful that people are interested in it. So to have something like that is yeah for me is pretty mind blowing. So uh, well, I'm really touched, and please pass on my my thanks to her as well. I mean, between you and your literary focus, as well as Shortinger Baby Seal's general intellectual focus on this stuff, you guys elevate beer FF fandom into something more timeless. And so I'm honored to be with both of you. And it's that elevation of this to being truly refined art that makes you think and relate this to the finer things in life. You guys do so much to the FF community. Thank you. Well, thank I, you. I appreciate that. Appreciate it. Absolutely. And that's yeah. what this is all about, man. I love it. That's what I love about doing this uh, Final Fan TV stuff. I love bringing in, you know, bringing people together like this, like fans on the show with you guys who make the content that we all love, too. So this is great. Um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So basically today is all about uh, the remake mysteries. Now, this is the this is the the rare occurrence where I'm not going to be doing much of the hosting here, whereas Dr. Robert Moat is the one with all the questions, and we're going to kind of field those questions. So go ahead, whenever you're ready, take it away, man. So the impetus for this is I tried to go, th I had a specific replay of Remake, tried to say, what is every unresolved mystery or chapter that requires some additional interpretation? You know, maybe a lot, maybe a little, etc that it's an unsolved mystery that we have to now divine what is the answer to that in the next part. Some of these things are, are maybe like are very direct, will this or won't this happen, speculative, but a lot of these are, are meant to be a bit more, you know, here's this direct quote, what did this mean? What are the context clues here, etc. So to, to that end, for example, the first one, uh, in chapter two, Sephiroth says, and, uh, I don't know if we want to replace my picture with this, but exact words are, our beloved planet is dying, slowly, silently, painfully. Can you bear to see the planet suffer? Out, were the planet to die, so many things would be lost. Hometown that burns so bright, sound of her voice, pleading for me to spare you shiver of her flesh, yielding to cold steel. That which binds us together would be no more. I would loathe to live in such a world. That's why I must ask you this one favor. Don't worry. It's a simple thing. Run, Cloud. Run away. You have to leave. You have to live. Mm. What specifically does Sephiroth mean when he says the planet is dying. What is your prediction for where he's going with that? And your answer can fairly be say, hey, look, there really isn't enough right now to speculate. Specifically, make Sephiroth want Cloud to, quote, leave, run away. How is that different from, say, in the past when, you know, Sephiroth has bound his existence to the memory of Cloud to keep him from aiding in the live stream this leave run away is a very different motif at least in my mind what does that mean why did he choose those words 
Uh, if you'd like, I can uh, follow this up with a quote from um, the Ultimania, if you'd like, so that way we can kind of, uh, you know, ground it with some reference, and then you guys can kind of take it away. Uh, So this is from the Ultimania, translated by Turquoise Hammer on Twitter, or X. Uh, This is answered by Toriyama-san. The question was, the Sephiroth who appears in this scene and the Sephiroth who appears at the edge of creation in chapter 18 seem to share a similar goal of ensuring the planet does not perish. Are the two related? The answer from Toriyama-san. The Sephiroths... Excuse me, sorry. The Sephiroths who appear at various points throughout the game come in a number of forms, whether they are hallucinations by cloud, or hallucinations only cloud sees, apparitions conjured by Sephiroth, figures fashioned by the mimicry of the black-cloaked men, or Sephiroth himself. Figures fashioned... Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Because of all of those beings are under the direction of Sephiroth's transcendent will and consciousness, they come to speak with the same purpose and play with Cloud's emotions in the same toying manner. And then another question was the follow-up question. Sephiroth's line, quote... It's one of our precious memories together, or that was the the Japanese translation of it, Um, is reminiscent of Cloud's line from Final Fantasy VII, Advent Children, stay in my memories. What was the intention behind having him say this? The answer, Sephiroth has already died physically once before, yet he considers this incident when Cloud took his life to be one of their defining memories together. Cloud is one of the few people who understands Sephiroth and therefore has the potential to become either a close comrade or a dangerous enemy. I wanted to establish a strong connection between the two and choose the, and chose the word memory with that goal in mind. So those are the the questions and answers on that specific moment that you were talking about in there. Uh, now your question was uh, basically, what does he mean specifically when the planet is dying? Why is he telling Cloud this? Um, you know, where where is he trying to tell Cloud to run away from? Is that figuratively or maybe it's, you know, metaphorically or whatever. But, uh, and yeah, so go ahead. Take it away. Let's start with Schrodinger's baby seal. Um, well, it's not the, you know, to the base answer to the question, I think, is it's set up as a mystery. So... I don't think we have an answer from available lore. There is stuff, though, that does further the mystery. Um, in, um, like, on the Materia Ultimania Plus, there's, a there's like, a red-letter uh, sort of commentary on the script. And at the, um, the Midgar Expressway at the end there, when there's that dialogue between... Um, between Aerith and Sephiroth, one of the one of the the comments is that Aerith believes the planet would surely never desire Sephiroth's method of keeping it from dying, mm-hmm. a method that involves sacrificing the people on it. So that's there's obviously some um, you know you could easily say that he wants a dead planet to kind of sail the cosmos and there's a lot of sail the cosmos kind of uh language associated with 
with Sephiroth throughout the compilation. Like, you know, he takes this dead husk of a swallowed planet by Genova and kind of takes uh, her kind of, I guess, uh, impetus, which is, you know, swallow live streams, move on. Mm-hmm. Swallow live streams, move on. Uh, I do think, though, that there's a, like, kind of a increased and mysterious characterization of Sephiroth's agency and what he wants. Like, there's a lot more emphasis on his endgame. His characterization's much more nuanced this time around. Um, and if that will ultimately reflect just, like, a more complex version of the sort of Jaws... Uh, you know, kind of monster in the shadows that you you follow uh, in the OG, if it's just going to be a more complex version of that, or if there's something a little bit different this time, you know, uh, that kind of remains to be seen. I certainly have my opinions uh, on that. Um, But I think that this is definitely still, there's mysterious elements to this. But what the red dialogue in the materials ultimania plus seems to suggest is that what sephiroth wants is a lifeless planet and he plans on saving the planet by you know taking people away the humans are the problem they're the thing that are preventing the the planet from survival Mm. may not be wrong either but still that's a that's a different different conversation altogether (laughs) yeah now, is is that in so, so? And again, maybe this is a translation issue. At least in the English, it seems like he said he's saying a bit different than Advent Children. At least to me, he says, you know, where the planets die, so many things would be lost. Blah blah blah. And I would be loath to live in such a world. So that would seem to imply he doesn't want things to die. Which, in my head, is it seems hard to invoke the Advent Children sort of. I want cloud is to sail the cosmos with this world you know like that whole yeah. sort of so so i i, is, I get is what you're saying and i no? i i think this is different i think there is a little bit of difference i um i think that what we're looking out is looking at now is sephiroth has this end game this plan for the world and it seems to be less uh opaque now and it does seem like he wants some companionship you know like if and we really only know of like one companion he seems to be super interested in right now and that's cloud um you know there does seem to be some uh i i i need cloud you know there's this idea that maybe cloud is the key to sephiroth's freedom you know if you look at the um and, and i mean i know that this is a very specific question uh, but it really ties to the bigger top topic, which is what is Sephiroth's endgame in Remake and Rebirth? And yeah. how is it different? And to me, it seems like the key to that is the only secret scene, the only optional scene in Remake. And you could say, oh, it's like the ending at Intergrade. No, there is only one secret scene that you you get after completion of the game, and that is the dialogue with Chadley when you beat Top Secrets. And Chadley describes Cloud as this limitless, infinite potential, like kind of Deus Ex. And there's other Deus Exes in the in the plot of, of Final Fantasy VII, you know. Sadly, but there seems to be some, you know, uh, 
mysterious context to the potential Cloud has. And in relationship to Chadley, who's also silver-haired and made by Hojo, um, it, it involves freedom. Like, it allowed him, his potential, Cloud's potential, allowed Chadley to break his programming. So, um, so we don't even know if when Cloud is, or when Sephiroth in Remake is saying, hey, I want, you know, uh, to save the planet. We don't even know if that is his honest you know, or or you, or anything that that that's his honest uh, end game. It could just be that he's trying to string Cloud along, like say, "Hey, I'm not bad." It could just be, you know, evil Sephiroth doing his evil Sephiroth manipulation thing. Yeah. So, you know, Sephiroth himself is not necessarily a reliable source of information mm-hmm. to either us, the player, or anybody else. So, I'm not even sure it's a translation issue. It's that you know, uh, Sephiroth that's, is not necessarily point, honest. Yeah. Real quick, I do want to kind of shout out uh, subtext in the com- uh, chat right now. If yeah. this is not confirmed, uh, it is really cool to, to think about this is what Sephiroth was doing when he says, you have to leave, you have to live. Uh, run away, Cloud. Uh, subtext says, wasn't there a dev comment at some point saying that that quote was Sephiroth quoting Claudia's final words to Cloud? So like... yeah. Uh- you have to. I, yeah. I, I think I think that that's correct. Yeah, that is that is confirmed in the um, in the uh, retrospective series. Mm. Cool. Oh, so Doctor that... Mod, I think Doctor Mold, I think you're uh, muted. Saying anything? So. Oh, okay. okay cool. Right. Cool. Yeah. So that's re- that's pretty cool. Like uh, that's Sephiroth just kind of toying with him right there, using his mother's last words. Yeah. Oh, come on, dude, yeah. Sephiroth. Yeah. That's cool. All right, so, and then, I mean, at the same time, he's kind of having that vision of reaching out towards his home, which was on fire. Um, so that that answers that question for you, maybe, uh, that you had about what exactly is he talking about running away. I also just think it's, you know, him reminding Cloud that he's, he's nothing, like, you know, just run away, that's what you do type thing. Um, but well, there's, there's 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 a third it, element to it, um, which I actually think the answer and has been confirmed as as Baby Seal said in the the retrospective series that Sephiroth is repeating what Claudia said, which is really interesting because Cloud wasn't present for that. Yeah. He's obviously outside the house, so what what Cloud is hearing in his mind is either completely imagined, or is actually Sephiroth's consciousness recounting that moment. For cloud, yeah. um, the third potential option is that the the runaway cloud um, element is that Sephiroth, um, over the course of remake, and likely into rebirth as well, is very clearly trying to detach cloud from the relationships that he's built mm-hmm. up with other people. So, in you know, encouraging cloud to run away is part of that. Is 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 basically trying to disintegrate the relationships. Because that makes Cloud far more vulnerable. Um, in terms of the, I I agree with uh, pretty much everything that, that Baby Seal has said. Um, the the planet is dying thing. Bear in mind, in Chapter Two, this is for new players. This is off the back of Barrett and Avalanche introducing the player to the concept of why we are destroying macro reactors. Right. So it, it reinforces that from a narrative perspective. Um, it's also not different to what the original game was, that, yeah, the planet was actually dying, and we got that from Bugenhagen. 
Um, later on in the game, when we get to the seven seconds from the end or the the, the edge of creation, there is also that scene where the, yeah, actually the planet is seven seconds from dying. So mm-hmm. I think it establishes this idea. It's not not necessarily that um, that Sephiroth is is lying or that it's following the same. Um, same story arc in, in terms of how the planet is dying. Um, but when Zephyr is talking about he he wishes to save the planet, the, the understanding of what the planet is, there's actually a few different potential interpretations. You could talk oh. about the physical planet, hmm. in which case he doesn't want, you know, he by by that, he, he doesn't want it just to become an empty husk. He could talk about the, the essence of the planet, i.e. the live stream. Hmm. So he might want to save the live stream for himself, which is actually what he's trying to do at the in the original game. He's he's trying to get his uh, smash meteor into the planet so that he can collect the live stream into himself. Um, or he he could he could actually be talking about the consciousness of the planet, which I suppose is actually the same thing as the live stream, where he's he's looking to become the consciousness of the planet, or or so on and so forth. So that when we talk about Saving the planet. It's not. It's not strictly. I can see that was very literal, and, and I, perhaps I shouldn't yeah. have been so literal in interpreting it. That's an excellent um, point. One one of the, the other points to to raise as well is with when he says that um, you know if the planet dies, so will everything within it. And one of the one of the key things that was built up, um, sort of from Advent Children onwards, uh, i.e., through uh, on the way to Smiling and and so on. And then really, really reinforced within Remake is that Sephiroth requires Cloud to exist in the way that he wants to exist. Mm-hmm. But if the planet dies and everything with it, Cloud also will die. And Sephiroth cannot have that. In order for Sephiroth to exist as he wants, Cloud must live. And therefore the planet must live in order for um, for, for him to get what he wants. So... There are layers and layers and layers of how this can be interpreted. Mm. So I hope that gives you a bit more context to the. Yes, sir. Um, so this is potentially coupled. It's actually, before I go into the next question, is there anything else people want to say on this particular point? Mm-hmm. Uh, this we're... next question is potentially coupled, maybe not. Um, so. For, for the sake of conversation, I'm going to use the nomenclature that Eris is, is, is the girl from the original game, that consciousness and that knowledge, and Aerith is the literal thing, whatever the heck it is that we're looking at in Remake. Um, I'm going to sidestep multiverse, timeline, whatever the heck the right word is, etc. So I'm going to put a few questions together that are kind of related here. At what point does Aerith become... To me, at what point does Aerith enter Aerith? At what point in the timeline... That means here... Is it that the girl in pink we observe is the girl from the original with at least some knowledge? Um, and kind of coupled to that is... What is 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 Eris specifically trying to do something different this time round of her own volition, or is she doing what she's doing purely as a reaction? Mm. The fact that Sephiroth is doing something of her own. So, 
Is it purely a reaction, or does she have her own goal that she's trying to achieve different from the last time around? So, uh, first uh, thing I want to say is that that is assuming um, that Aerith or Eris from the original game is has taken over the physical being of Aerith from Final Fantasy VII Remake. So that's assuming that's the case. That is a um, that is a popular theory. I mean, it makes sense. She has future memories and all that other stuff. So. I think that it's is no, but thank you for clarifying that. Yeah. That is, there is an assumption on my part there, so thank you. That's, yeah. that's important to clarify. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's like uh, you know, it's been <laughs> with the three years that have, <laughs> that have been between the game is so many theories, you know, so and all that other stuff. So like, it's it's definitely become kind of like merged um, with. So yeah, I mean, like I like to take what we know, and then like you got you get all of these uh, theory videos, and you know, Baby Blue Seal Blue. and uh, Sleep Easy doing excellent jobs with their theories and stuff it's kind of become like oh well then that's you know that's it right <laughs> and like everybody there's yeah. so many other theories right. out there too but plus we probably know the devs are trying to mess with us intentionally yeah. in some ways <laughs> oh i gave you a little breadcrumb in this direction run little run. <laughs> yeah here yeah. you go like, follow the yellow flower um so yeah. basically <laughs> basically uh i think the the question still remains though of what you're trying to say is at what point do you think that this Aerith in Final Fantasy VII Remake got future memories? Like, w at what point is she starting to remember, or is it happening over the course of the game? Like, just she's she's wrestling with these um, memories of things that she doesn't ever... She's never really lived. Uh, so it's kind of maybe her trying to understand that, talking to the planet, and, you know, talking to the flowers to understand it. Uh, or it is... Aerith in the lights live stream gone back in time to uh to talk to Aerith or become Aerith or take a, you know all this other stuff uh but I think that yeah like I said the question is is at what point does that happen uh do you guys have a a speculation on that or do we have confirmation on that already I can definitely speculate on it um yeah. I, I don't I don't think there is any confirmation that there are it's a theory that I really like the the actual the way that it is described in the Ultimanias is not that there is a second Aerith inhabiting the first one, it's that the one in Remake has memories of the future. Mm -hmm. Now that, that could be interpreted as memories of the original Aerith. Um, it, could, it could also be that she is having memories of the, the sort of essence or the spirit of the individual Aerith that appears to Cloud in Chapter 14. Um, the, it's, it's still pretty vague, but the understanding is that the the future, or some some form of future, has taken place before. So Aerith in Remake has memories from events that have, that have occurred. Mm -hmm. As for when she begins to have those memories, I don't think it's, it's ever explicitly stated. I really personally like the theory that um, the the image of Aerith kind of looking at the, the Mako particles at the beginning of uh, the Final Fantasy 7 doesn't actually match at the end of Final Fantasy 7. Like, uh, or originally the, the screen transitions from the, the kind of starry night and Aerith has her eyes open the whole time whereas right at the end of, of the game she has her eyes closed and then opens them again, but that's actually what happens in Remake, that mm. Remake begins with her eyes closed and then opening, so 
the end of OG actually matches remake rather than the beginning of OG matching remake. So I would, if I had to speculate, I would speculate that that is probably the devs telling us that this is where it begins. Mm. Um, as as for your other question uh, to do with why is Aerith uh, acting this way, um, the answer as far as, as, as what my understanding of the, the, the main reason that she's behaving the way she does throughout Remake is that these memories of the future um, give her an understanding of the direction of what the planet's chosen destiny is. Mm-hmm. And as time goes on, particularly when she begins to interact with Red 13, um, now, if, if Aerith's got memories of the future, she may... It's unclear whether or not she has memories of the, the a particular person that existed in the future, or if she's we're talking about memories through the live stream and then the entire duration of time from the live stream. So either either she has memories from the live stream going away, you know, hundreds of years into the future, or when she interacts with Red Thirteen and Red Thirteen's own um, longevity allows her to see five hundred years into mm. the future at the end of uh, Final Fantasy Seven. Either way. Because it has been indicated by some of the development team that humanity has depleted in some way, it's described within the Ultimanias that that ending is the bad ending. Mm-hmm. So my understanding is that what Aerith is trying to do is to save the planet, but simultaneously save humanity uh, in a way that wh- whatever happens in the centuries that follow... Uh, the events of Final Fantasy VII that she wishes to save humanity from from either disappearing or depleting, um, because that that's what the planet's chosen destiny is that you know humanity will will the, not not necessarily survive as as they have been doing. But the uh, the other thing is is that the whispers were actively trying to take away her memories. <clears throat> like the the whispers are actively trying to strip her of those memories. Um, mm-hmm. Like in like she even says, every time they touch me, I lose a part of myself. Right. So the planet doesn't like that she's whatever she's doing. The planet's not liking that. Um, so that does give credence to the fact that maybe she's trying to do something that wasn't like it's just kind of go off the beaten path of what the original was doing. And she's like Mo said, trying to save both. Um, you know humanity and uh, the planet but well well that's what destiny's crossroads is all about mm-hmm. or, um, or the planet she's, is... she's trying to yeah I, I, so I was gonna say or the planet is just upset that she's gone back in time she's not supposed to be there either like i mean like it's just she might uh she might be just trying to make sure that the same thing happens i mean that's also another uh possibility too or she might actually just be trying to make sure everything goes exactly the way it should but the planet's like yo you're not supposed to be here either. Um, and I think Sephiroth is... You asked earlier, was it a reactionary thing or was it Aerith's own uh, motive? I think it was Sephiroth first. I think Sephiroth is the one who's got the master plan of doing it. I think in the On the Way to the Smile... Uh, on the Way to a Smile book, uh, it talks about Sephiroth um, just kind of being a presence in that live stream where uh, where Aerith is always constantly trying to chase after him, like trying to keep him keep an eye on him. So if he he's obviously got a plan going on in the live stream black, and I think he's he's executed it, uh, and now she's got to like do her own thing to go back and and try to stop him that way too. Um, so so there's that. I also do want to read 
this one from Audrey on Twitter. Audrey on Twitter kind of, this is from the Ultimania, says, What does Aerith know? was the question. The answer, before Cloud even says his name, Aerith knew that he was an ex-soldier, as well as a jack-of-all-trades. She also knew where Marlene was before Tifa even before Tifa told her. Uh, for some strange reason, Aerith knows things, even though she shouldn't yet. When Aerith touches Marlene or Red 13, they both show a very surprised expression. There must be something about Aerith that happens when she comes in contact with others. <laughs> that was the uh, that was the thing. So. Yeah, just wanted to, to throw that out there as well. Baby Seal, do you have any thoughts on that subject? Uh, yeah, a lot, but... Um, <laughs> He's like, I but think... you can tune in to SEAL Team 7 for all that. <laughs> no, 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 uh, not at all. I think I think the, um, you know, the, they're, again, this is, this is meant to be a mystery, right? Yeah. So you look in remakes, you look in remakes Ultimate, this is one of the mysteries that, like, they, hey, notice that this is weird. Notice that it's weird that Aerith knows stuff that she's not supposed to know. Like, that wasn't your imagination. Here are things, here is a list of things Aerith was not supposed to know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Pay attention, officially signed the deaths, yeah. right? So, um, so there isn't an answer. The, the way that I think things were presented is that Aerith has access to future knowledge and that she is reacting to adjustments from Sephiroth. Why I think Sephiroth is the prime actor in 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 quote unquote changing uh the the story or uh acting as if he has more context than he is supposed to at this point. Like even the key art for rebirth where mm -hmm. Nomura describes what the purpose of the key art is. He he describes Sephiroth as having torn the destinies apart mm -hmm. of these characters, and um, and then there's two versions of the key art. One with you know uh, Cloud with Cloud and Zack on two sides of the river of the stream, mm -hmm. you know, and then one with uh, Tifa and Aerith, and um, that so that's been torn apart that destiny's been torn apart by Sephiroth so Sephiroth seems to be the prime actor and Aerith seems to be reacting mm -hmm. now I do not get the sense from Aerith that she's got all of the context she seems to be instinctively reacting with portions of the context you know she is reacting to memories that she has she's acting in the same way that we see the 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 whispers act which is like to the best of their ability. They can't be at all places at once. Sometimes they leave to go deal with something else. Like, for instance, we get a description that the reason that the Whispers leave Aerith alone and go somewhere else is they go to deal with, like, Wedge. Like, they leave. So they have a finite capacity to act. They're all just acting with resources that they have. This is not, like... You know, well, why didn't Aerith know this? She doesn't know it all. Mm -hmm. She just knows some things. But it's clear that she did something to that portal. I'm and we glad have you brought that up. No idea what. Yeah. That seemed to be that... reactionary. It seemed to be directly connected to whatever we're seeing with 
Zach in whatever way that's happening. You know, those mm-hmm. are things that we kind of know were visually transmitted to us. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm really um, glad you brought that up because, like, two specific questions that I had is like sub points of this. One was, what did Aerith do to the portal when she raised her hand to change its color from purple to yellow, which mm-hmm. you just addressed? Um, but, but in the same vein, does Aerith or Eris, depending upon, I don't know what the right noun is at this point, know that she did Sephiroth's will entering the portal before she went into it? There's that awkward moment where, you know, Cloud's like, okay, let's do this. He walks in, like, pauses him and says, wait. I don't remember his exact words. It was something mm-hmm. like, what? And, he, and she says, I don't know, blah, blah, blah. Then we have the, the change of color, etc. So I guess if if she is in a reactionary capacity, it's not that she's trying to change something this time around herself, and so is Sephiroth independently. Do you think that she knew that what was going to occur on the other side of the portal? And she's like, fine, I just accept that a break out of the the spiral of you know stalemate between negative and positive life stream and Sephiroth's gonna try this time to have his side win but you know what I'm gonna try to have my side win or, or yeah what do you think she was going through her head or what did she know at that point I I don't know I think that I think that it was her chess piece it was her chess move like there's there's meta Aerith and meta Sephiroth playing some kind of chess game that we don't have the context or the rules for mm. and we're i mean hoping get some kind of uh you know collective and concrete explanation at some point in the future but you know one of the things that we always have worked with like particularly sleep easy is is that there's this concept of memory in the live stream and if you ask people what the live stream is, you know, if you if you say to polled several people saying, "Hey, what's the live stream after the end of OG?" They'd be like, "Well, it's yeah. like the souls of the dead. It's basically like the afterlife, right?" And yeah. y- yes and no, but like the live stream has now been given all this extra and memory as like a as like a mechanism has been given all this extra power like it it now has so much narrative power that it can be used to fill any gap in the story in any way that the developers want Mm -hmm. and i have some issues with that but you know uh if it's if it's presented coherently enough that we're not gonna be bothered by it but like we literally had uh in in ever crisis we had that description of the live stream saying that it's can connect worlds and timelines together future past present like you know and mm-hmm. that that isn't too far off from like the description we have of the singularity mm-hmm. you know so the live stream is now this catch-all for it's an alternate dimension it's the afterlife it's also not those things it's also mm-hmm. you know this this gap closer and so whatever is happening between this cosmic struggle between Aerith and Sephiroth is not concretely defined but we can assume it uses this you know uh this god of the gaps which is the live stream somehow um just to 
throw this out there for everybody really excited for Rebirth. Uh, <laughs> in the, uh, I believe it was the Ultimania, there was an interview with Nomura-san uh, and Nojima-san. Uh, let's see, where is it at? Nomura answers this one. Why is it that Aerith knows things that happen in the future of things that she hadn't heard of before? The answer from Nomura-san. I wonder why. Please wait until the next installment for that answer. Right. So, hey, if that is to be taken literally, the next installment will have the answer for it. Now, right. Mo, do you think that these questions, like that, uh, Mo, uh, Robert, Doctor Robert Moat is asking you such? Just a, Robert, no, nah, man, come on, you you got that doctor, you earned that doctor. <laughs> All right, <laughs> get that doctor. Ph PhDs aren't cheap. No, and they're not easy. Nah. <laughs> so we go, Dr. Molt uh, is asking these questions. Now, do you think, Mo, do you think they will be answered in Rebirth? Or are, are these questions that are so great uh, to the, the larger mystery of it, we're going to have to wait until, you know, part three. Um, <clears throat> we are, uh, we have confirmation that the Whispers will be back in Rebirth. So... I think the reason why they're going to be back is because they need to give in-game answers rather than right. Ultimania and, you know, interviews and stuff. They need to have some in-game actual answers, uh, whether right. it's just a throwaway one-liner display. Oh, yeah, they were, yeah, they were, you know, guarding fate and we, we messed it up. Uh, but uh, so do you think that's going to be addressed almost immediately in Rebirth or do you think it's going to be um, at, at some point in Rebirth? Uh, I think it will be addressed at some point in Rebirth. Uh, I think a lot of the answers, not not all of them, because that would, right. the entire the entire point of the story is that you have to continue the mysteries. You have to introduce new mysteries, right. but you know you, you also have to to keep the player satisfied by bringing closure to to some of them. I think uh, Bugenhagen will will Bugenhagen. function quite heavily. Yeah, and uh, that. Um, <laughs> you know I. I think the the whispers themselves, you know, if if we go back to the discussions we all had right after remake released, you know, I've been pretty strongly advocating that um, defeating the whispers has been a bit of a red herring because the, the entire point from a mythology perspective is the you can't outrun your fate, you know, you can change elements of it, but you know, fate fate remains present. Um, so I, I don't think the, the the whispers themselves are, or or, in some capacity, totally gone. But I think Bugenhagen will explain it, and I think yeah. part of the reason for that is that the whispers are likened to the cries of the planet, which you know we hear the cries of the planet, and and Bugenhagen directly references them mm-hmm. when we visit Cosmo Canyon uh, in the the old game. So it makes sense that some explanation. Uh, is is going to come there, mm-hmm. um, but to, an, to answer your question, yeah, I you know from a from a development perspective, it doesn't make sense to give away all your answers in the next title. True, they, they will have to yeah. they will have to keep some for the the third part. You know, probably towards the end of the third part, and they will also be introducing new mysteries. That's you know mm-hmm. that that that's that's kind of a given. I'm um, just very quickly to go back to the last question. Um, while while I agree that there's not there's not really any definitive answer to what Aerith does and why she does it. Um, one of the, the really interesting things that Vesuvidzad of the Cosmo Canyon Observatory pointed out um, to me was that when Aerith changes the portal 
the she kind of raises her hand and there's there's that sort of blast of, of light which is exactly the same as when she uses the healing wind move uh so i, I felt that's that's really interesting um the, the, there seems to be a sort Are you of saying heal- she's healing sephiroth no, just um you know fingers crossed um <laughs> and the, the other thing to, to kind of keep in mind as well is that the entire point of remake is that by the time you get to uh, entering the, the the portal is that you, you can't you can't go back there. Um, when you asked about does, does she know about what's on the other side? Does she know about what's going to happen? I don't think so. But I think what is established at that point is that the events of the the old game no longer can take place. You you can't you can't go back to that. So no matter how you go forward, and no matter what what the crossroads happens to be. The outcome is not going to be the same as the old game. Sephiroth has come back and he's 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 messed around too much for that to be the case. Um, but one one of the things that while they know that they can't allow Sephiroth to win, I think Aerith makes it reasonably explicit that the planet's chosen destiny also can't be allowed to to continue because that's that's what they are trying to work against. You know this this sort of this bad ending, as it were. Um, so I, th- I I think that when they 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 enter the singularity, they know that something has to change. It's it's just a matter of what. Um, but I can't remember. If, was was there any other questions that you you asked? That one, uh, no. But believe me, I got plenty more for you. If that was that was Daniel's question, actually. But first of all, I, I want to give a good shout out to everybody in chat right now. You guys have some great, great uh, responses going on in there. So uh, keep yeah. that energy going. I love it. Uh, so, Molt, do you have Dr. Molt? Do you have another question? I, question? I actually did want to, to oh, yeah. answer your, your question, too. Okay. Um, so because it's a good question, like how mm-hmm. much of this is, is uh, how, how long are we going to be doing this? Right? Yeah. And the answer is five more years. <laughs> the answer five is five more, more years. years, man. Easy, easy. So um, I do think that there have been definitive dev quotes and Ultimania references saying the Whispers have been defeated and fate has been changed. That is a definitive thing that's been established. Yeah. So if the Whispers reappear and we're, we have developers saying that, I don't think that's a retcon. I think that what that narrows the answer to is that we're missing context like you said i fully agree with what you're saying we still don't have an origin like why are they appearing in the first place why is that a thing that can appear what the fuck are they why do they look like sephiroth you know like um you know these are like real things like they 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 have all the sephiroth iconography to them already before we even are there they so these things that are acting against the party seem to be aligned against the party just like Sephiroth is. So they look like the re- reunion clubs. You, you, they've got the reunion clones. They've got the robes on. Uh, the the purple one has Sephiroth's attacks from Kingdom Hearts. Uh, you know, there's all the purple stuff. Uh, you know, there's the fact that the Viridae, Crocheo, and Rubrum are literally manifestations of the remnants of Sephiroth, which were created by Sephiroth's will after Meteor Fall, right? Yeah. So they're manifestations of something that is yet to be, mm-hmm. you know? And so, and and are Sephiroth-coded. So we're fighting against Sephiroth-coded things, which are protecting 
protecting the timeline he dies in. So what's that all about? We need that context. Even if we did do something, we need to know why. So that's probably where I think the whispers would appear in the game. And I don't think, unless Rebirth's plot is so poorly, poorly received that, like, you know, they're forced to write a reversal of that, a reversal of the reverse, because rebirth and reverse are the same word in Japanese. Um, like, if unless they're doing something like that in part three and afterbirth, I think that what's really going to happen is that it it's got it's done. What happens now is it that we are going into an unknown journey, and how it concludes will not be some some lesson. And this is where I disagree with with Mo. I don't think the lesson is that is that fate is fixed. I don't think this is this is this is about us embracing our potential as a species and changing our planet's fate. And we can't do that. Like the core ecological and environmental messaging of Final Fantasy VII can get really lost if the idea of agency is removed because there can't be predetermined. You know, because everything's predetermined. Because at the end of the game, we just fix it to you know being the original perfect pure way that we're supposed to you know um fill the story that being said here's my predictions for what will get answered we will know what's going on with zach and why zach is now in the story all of that will get answered and the reason i think say that is because nomura said that and katase said pretty by he says uh, pretty soon within the game this was in, the, in a recent developer uh, quote, pretty soon you will know what's going on with Zach and why. Mm -hmm. Like it won't take veterans to know long. But I think new mysteries and like fates of characters, all that stuff, like the way that things have been ordered, mm -hmm. I think those have all been kicked down the, down the road. You know, like I don't think we're, I don't think we're going to know who's alive and dead at mm -hmm. the end of Rebirth. I don't think we're going to see you know like ultimate fate and i know that sounds like crazy but i, I really think that's the mystery they're going to keep us talking about for you know from 2024 to 2028 yeah you know? i mean that's an excellent points um excellent points um i do think what mo said about bugenhagen being the yeah. i think that is going to be the like the epicenter of, of answers for you. But I think Bugenhagen's also going to raise a lot of questions as well. Yeah. Uh, I oh, think, yeah. I think that's going to be the, that moment right there where, where rebirth is just going to, that's what we're going to be theorizing for a long time about. I really surprised to hear uh, baby seal say that we don't, might not even know who's going to be alive or dead at the end of it. That's very interesting. I mean, but like, I mean, I got to agree. They got to give us something to talk about for the next four years, five years. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, last scene, last scene, Sephiroth up here, yeah. then fade to black. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. That would give us something to talk about. Yeah, <laughs> I don't sure, know if yeah. it's what they're going for. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like I, I 100% think that we get answers to the whispers, and I almost feel like we're going to get that with Bugenhagen, um, or almost immediately or genesis like i feel like we're yeah i think genesis is going to be in there as well just because the interviewer is like oh, i can't talk about genesis 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and if he were there, you could tell tell us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, we got the hooded guy from the trailer as well, who looks like Glenn. We got uh, got a lot of a lot of mysteries that are arising from just the trailers, and we're like, wait a second, we got more yeah. mysteries coming yeah. uh, from yeah. from remake that we need to address, and I think they are going to address them. Uh, so speaking yeah. of those mysteries, uh, Doctor Moult, do you have? Uh, I know you have. I know you have a lot more. Right, but we got. I know we got to watch the time. Yeah, so we'll go. We'll keep it going. We'll keep it going. So, right. um, yeah. So, I think for me personally, the most confusing scene in remake is what I'm going to call the Shinra holodeck. Do you guys know the term holodeck? Is that yeah. uh-huh. an okay term? Yeah. Okay. I didn't know how much Star Trek has made that part <laughs> of our zeitgeist or not. So, anyway, mm-hmm. in the Shinra holodeck, you see. I'm going to say meteor. And a Sephiroth clone. We see Meteor starting, seemingly Meteor, starting to destroy Midgar. Sephiroth clone teleports away. We see the Sephiroth clone teleporting closer and closer. Mm-hmm. Then the Sephiroth clone comes Sephiroth, meaning like the, the, the actual image itself. Oh, I thought you said Sephiroth. Okay. I was like, okay, like, man. He, he, he stopped looking like the hooded figure of you know, the robes. Yeah. A little bit more like my hair suffer off. <laughs> um, stabs Tifa, then Barrett. Then we see Cloud and Sephiroth standing back to back. I struggle to find an interpretation of this. And so I guess my questions would be, what's the significance of why we're seeing Tifa and Barrett killed seemingly during say meteor crashing who or what is causing the holodeck malfunction um which version of sephiroth is doing this if it's sephiroth and if it is sephiroth's will why does he want to show this um as well as i'm honestly not even a hundred percent clear tifa and barrett saw everything that cloud did because one hand, Barrett makes some comment. They should really make a common thing that they shouldn't show this for kids or whatever, something like that. Which implies he saw. <laughs> he saw at least it, right? Something. Yeah. That was interesting. You'd think that you know his response would be, "Oh my God, I was stabbed to death in that image <laughs> by this silver-haired guy." You know, like you'd think the response would be something a little more so. They yeah. see who caused this and what is the greater artistic merit. Is this related to seven seconds till the end? Hmm. That's um that's a really good one too cuz that one's more I feel like that's up to interpretation that's up to uh I think there's a lot of visual messaging going on there uh that I would probably want to watch like frame by frame to kind of get a di- better idea of it. Um sure. but yeah, so what do you guys think on this one while I while I give it some thought? <laughs> uh let's let Mo go. Okay. Uh, to be honest, I, I would agree. I've I've had quite a bit of trouble uh, interpreting this as well. Um, I think some some of the problems uh, are exactly that Barrett does seem to react to the meteor element of it, and that there's the, this sort of degree of catastrophe going on. Um, one of the, the interesting things for me uh, is that Tifa does not react to Sephiroth. Mm-hmm. Which 
you know, as you, you would. Uh, although having said that, I think he appears behind Tifa, so she may actually not have seen that it was Sephiroth. Um, but yeah, he, he, the reaction to what has been seen um, is is a bit odd. Um, mm-hmm. Which which I think it's deliberately confusing. But the context of this is that the Hordeck, um everything changing occurs at the same time as Palmer seeing Sephiroth uh, walking in the corridor. Um, so what would perhaps uh, I, I I do agree that it seems to be. The manipulation uh, of of Sephiroth, either or with or without uh, Genova's influence here. Um, Wait, which Sephiroth are you saying here? Like the well, it, it's not the Sephiroth that or, 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 I suppose it could be the Sephiroth that's in Cloud's mind. Um, the, the there is a, a a presence of Sephiroth who is changing the cloaked men into his Sephiroth's physical appearance. Uh, because Palmer does actually see Sephiroth, independent of of anyone else. Okay, and, and Genova at this point is still in her chamber, so it does actually seem that you know there there is at least one one form of of, of Sephiroth that's influencing that. I personally really like the theory um, that Baby Seal can correct me on this. I think it was Sleep Easy that put this forward. That you have to assume that the holodeck is running on Mako energy, and Mako energy is, of course, live stream. Just by the live stream memory. <laughs> Therefore, if, yeah. if Sephiroth is working through memory or working through the live stream, he could there by in theory uh, then start to influence electrical um, things. But in all honesty, I also find this quite confusing. I think I think it's a narrative plot where they've perhaps taken a few liberties without having to explain everything, but I'm open to be being told that there is very specific things going on that I've I've perhaps not really considered. Um, so, quickly, do want to say that uh, this is coming from Audrey on Twitter, translating a uh, interview for Final Fantasy VII for a soldier. You guys remember that one? That was a good one. Ah, man. It could have been, could have it could have been so great, guys. I, I miss it. I miss it. Uh, um, instead, I, we have Ever Crisis. Didn't we trade up? <laughs> uh... Uh, so Nomura says, uh, when when addressing the question about maps and why is there a Midgar uh, with areas that shouldn't be in Midgar from like thirty years ago or something. Uh, I'm sure you're also wondering why maps from the present Final Fantasy VII remake are in the past where First first Soldier takes place. In Final Fantasy VII Remake, there is a VR simulation room, right? It has a system that can create areas without people in it. That same system can generate images of Midgar that are taken from the future. The areas where you fight within Final Fantasy VII First Soldier takes place within this VR simulation. So, uh... Uh, kind again, of... Live again, stream. Yes, again, running live on Mako up. Energy, running on that, yeah. so if running on Mako Energy, Sephiroth has his uh, will within that, he can kind of manipulate these images that they're seeing, and I think that is a, I think that is a good enough explanation of this, uh, it's definitely not concrete, it's definitely just speculation and everything, but, uh, I think I think if he's able to manipulate the imagery, it does look like I'm watching the video right now, it does look like Barrett and Tifa react 
instantly when the when the thing starts glitching out they both kind of like start looking around oh look at that i made it right i made my room go that way oh um so <laughs> wait wait does this mean <laughs> yeah we're uh, in the holodeck right now see watch watch ready well, well, well there's the the potential of a combination then that they all react to seeing meteor above midgar mm -hmm. but the way that you know in, in chapter 13 for example when they're walking towards wall market but only cloud can see sephiroth yeah mm -hmm. right Perhaps mm -hmm. there's a combination of they all see Midgar, but only only uh, only Cloud sees yeah. the cloaked man and sees Sephiroth because Sephiroth's in you know, projecting that way. Um, so I I, I, def I definitely think that, uh, because of as I said exactly what happens with Palmer in the corridor immediately afterwards. I think the suggestion there is Sephiroth has caused this, mm -hmm. but the the specific means of how he's caused this. Uh, I'm not too sure about. Yeah, I also want to like kind of throw out there that I don't think Tifa and Barrett saw what Cloud was seeing in the in the projection. I don't think. So. Mm -hmm. I mean, I see, I know they react to it and everything's. I think it just right. started glitching out for them. This is obviously Cloud, um, you know, kind of going through this. I think, like you said, they would have had a, a a weirder reaction, and plus they would have had to actually act. They would have had to fall down to the ground, like somehow, uh, or or Tifa would have. It, it just seems. But, but if, yeah, I'm with you. But if that's the case, mm -hmm. what do they see? That, well, if if the argument is that Sephiroth is good enough at computer programming to change the holodeck, so to speak, yeah. How is it that like, what is seeing a? They're all supposed to be seeing the same thing, but. I mean, I guess, in my mind, there's two explanations. Either A, the cloud is seeing it, B, and it's in his head in some sense, or B, this is what the holodeck is showing, and if this is what the holodeck is showing, they should all see the same thing because there's only yeah. one reality there. And Well, Cloud also... He also has a little uh, psychic interference there is what they've been referring to. As yeah. The, uh, I mean, he does the, have like, his headache thing going on, and then he starts to see yeah. Sephiroth. Um, the the, the, yeah. the glitch the glitch itself meteor like they they can all see that but I I actually think the 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 glitch and perhaps the illusion shown to cloud are not necessarily the same thing is mm -hmm. kind of the point I was going for mm -hmm. mm. yeah so, so like they all see meteor but maybe only cloud sees the murders yeah mm -hmm. that's what I'm going with too yeah um, that's interesting I I would go with that or I would. I mean, like these are answers that would be really nice in game, or they can just let it go. But um, what did Aerith and Tifa, or what did? Sorry, those two have to go hand in hand. <laughs> um, but, but what did Tifa and Barrett we all see? What did they actually see? Uh, is a good is a great question. Uh, but mm -hmm. I think they might have just seen the things start glitching out. They might not even have seen Meteor. They might not even have seen any of that stuff. It might have just been like going ridiculously crazy. And then it was all Sep or Sephiroth toying with Cloud. Um, yeah, that is. Why a, does Sephiroth want this though? Like, what? What? Like, out of all the ways that he could choose to mess with Cloud, I have a really hard time saying yeah. I, I will totally mess with Cloud in a way that will favor me by me. Showing him me killing the people he likes, Keep killing like, the people he loves. Yeah. Like so, uh, in my opinion, if I like, I have this theory in my mind where the seven seconds to the end thing is Sephiroth presenting a solution for Cloud, uh, where hey, you know how in the world that you live in, you lose 
a lot. You suffer. You you know you're you're going through all of this. Uh, I can give you a world where you don't. You know what I mean? Like where where your your best friend is still alive. The you know this your people you love are still alive, and um, yeah. But what Cloud would not know in my mind is I think the world that he is creating is an illusion. Like either it's an illusion or he's literally taking the life stream and building a new universe while the other one is slowly dying because it's taking all the, the life stream over here. It's transferring it into a world where Zack lives. But you can see that this world where Zack lives is in chaos. But all of his friends are alive. Something like that. Somewhere along the lines of that where Sephir or Cloud's going to have to make a decision in seven seconds. But if Sephiroth can get in his head and show him that you can't save anyone, like he's even said that in chapter two, like you can't save her. And like, yeah. And just the whole time. And then now he's showing him like murdering Tifa, murdering Barrett. He even actually does murder Barrett, even though he knows that he's going to be fine, but just showing him right in front of his face. Like, I'm just going to kill all your friends. Um, Then if he presents that idea of like, Hey, here's your chance to save them. If you just join forces with me, you can, we can save him. Uh, might be the might be the reason why he's showing Cloud all of this. Like, listen, look at your world blowing up and dying. Look at this. You know, like, yeah. look at me killing all your friends. Uh, so, might be what he's trying to do here. And then the whole the, 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 the end game for Sephiroth is that he has to destabilize yeah. Cloud's psyche, and it, right. it has to make him feel alone. And yeah, every, everything you is sort of death by a thousand cuts. In, in this instance, that every action Sephiroth takes is designed to destabilize Cloud, so mm-hmm. that Sephiroth can get what he wants. Yep. My hail mary pass of a way to rationalize this is, you know, seven seconds to the end. Blah blah blah. We all know the line. I, I agree with the warrior of hype at. If you believe that the plot of the game is going to go off the rails compared to the original, so in other words, where that 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 um, Red Ninja's Baby Seal is correct, that you know we're not just going to get the original thing, that something you know we're not just going to have fate rehashed. If we, if you believe that that's what they're going to do, like okay, what what's going to happen is that Sephiroth is going to present yeah, choice, a world where they live, a world where they don't with me they'll live so don't keep fighting me they'll die mm. and that the reason that that will come to pass is that the way of rationalizing the idea that the dementors are so sephiroth-esque is that there's actually two sephiroths at play here there's the genova corrupted sephiroth of the original game just wants to keep things as going because at least in the original timeline there was a negative life stream, there's a positive life stream, and they're just, you know, stuck in balance with each other. One can't really defeat the other. You know, whatever Rufus says in Advent Children, send us your nins and Sephiroths. We'll continue to defeat them. Eh, it's a nice sentiment, but they kind of just keep going round and round the, and not no one really winning. Wondering if it, Chapter 18 Sephiroth, I don't know what we're calling him, quick interjection here i'm sorry sorry. uh ryan harrison from chat does say that she says later on that huge meter meteor what was that all about yeah Uh, she 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 does see the meteor yeah yeah okay so i just wanted to clarify that uh good point yeah yeah 
Um, and and there is I I do also want to say that there is there is precedent for Genova being able to influence machinery. Mm-hmm. Um, in Crisis Core, Genesis was able to take over machines as well. Uh, also, uh, machinery goes haywire when Minerva shows up. And like we all say, it's it's all powered by Mako. It's powered by Livestream. And um, we know that Genova seems to have um, a penchant for affecting that. Mm. So um, I do think I do I do think that I do want to point out though that you know the two Sephiroth theory it does I I'm I'm not ready to really say that um, you know because we we looked at we did read that one uh, you know Toriyama exposition saying that there's a singular will behind all of the forms of Sephiroth all the way that we see Sephiroth manifest it does seem though that Sephiroth does need something right he needs something from cloud mm-hmm. and what uh i know Seph, you know me and sleep easy have, have have thrown this around and including in some four-hour videos that what it seems like he might be gunning for is some kind of freedom from genova herself mm-hmm. um and uh i i think if you were to just look at the og and the og related lore Sephiroth was really the clear winner of the Battle of Wills between Genova and Sephiroth. I don't even think that was a real plot point. Like, who was really in control? It was Sephiroth. But um, it does seem that as the compilation has got more, uh, has gone along, and there's been more uh, nuance added to the to the relationship, that there might be a little bit of agency left in Genova, mm-hmm. or that that's something that they're adding. And that perhaps what Sephiroth wants is some kind of either domination or freedom. Um, uh, nothing to me is screaming uh, redemption, uh, but I know that is a popular theory online. I'm just hoping that's a uh, all of the yellow flowers. Only insane people would think about that. <laughs> that they if you don't know, that's a, a a rabbit hole I went down for a long time, and I still think it's an awesome rabbit hole. But... Hey, we did a whole podcast on that. Yeah, the yellow flowers. Oh, yeah, and yeah. I, you obliged my insanity. That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, 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 I looked at some yellow flowers for a very long time. I, <laughs> I would tell you what, man. <laughs> By the way, that means reunion. Yep. The yellow flowers symbolize symbolize reunion. Mm. Did lovers used to give these when they were reunited? Sorry, I had yeah. to. <laughs> All right. So, so, is there another question that you feel uh, like? Okay, so the whole uh, VR simulator, that whole mm-hmm. scene. I don't know if that's going to be specifically addressed in Rebirth. I don't think they're going to like say, "Oh, hey, remember that thing that we saw it back back." Agreed. I don't think they're. Agreed. I think, I think they'll just kind of let you put that together. Uh, but so, is there another Fair. question that you think uh, Rebirth should answer here? Um, I would say that one thing that kind of uh, haunts me a bit is this issue of um, Cloud's internal monologue. And arguably, you could say that this is somewhat unresolved in the OG. Like, um, at the beginning of Chapter 8, you see... uh, he has this little, like, oh, back then you could get by with scraped knees, yeah. that whole little speech, etc. And, you know, there's a dialogue between him and someone, something. And then the then suddenly he's chatting with Faroth. Yeah. 
This um, is when he fell through the roof of Aerith. Right, Aerith. right. Yeah, yeah. So, so two things. One, to me, it's not a hundred percent clear. Original, who is the other voice? I feel like that's that I'll, I'll pose. I, I think that they're think that there you could make arguments more than one way. Mm-hmm. This game, who is his interlocutor? There are Dementors <laughs> surrounding him. And that's something that, that's not, at least, that's... So, A, can de- to Dementors can go in your head, is my next question. But, like, my point of this being, who who is the internal monologue other person? Mm. Time round, the original, and why this relates to Rebirth is... Oh, the issue of the Zack reveal. And it, does Zack have anything to do with this? Is this going to be... Well, I'll shut up. I present the question. Sure, yeah. Uh, Baby Seal, do you want to take this one or will I take it? You can take it. Um, so the the actual answer to the question um, is that the, inter- the internal monologue is Cloud's real self. It always has been. It was confirmed yeah. in the, the Ultimania Omega. Mm. Um, but you we, obviously when we are now in a uh, situation where uh, the games themselves are fully voice acted you can't really keep that mystery anymore mm-hmm. which is why you see a second version of cloud appear and uh, and that um why the the whispers show up uh, that was clarified i think it's the ultimania plus but it might just have been uh, sort of the material ultimania plus uh, but it might just have been the material ultimania um, and it was to indicate that the Whispers themselves have contributed to Cloud not injuring himself uh, when he fell through the roof. Um, but obviously, because the scene uh, kind of takes place in Cloud's mind, mm-hmm. they couldn't they couldn't really show it a different way. So the 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 the, the brief image that you have of of the Whispers is 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 too or it's. A to design, design to create mystery, but B actually to to inform the player that the whispers have contributed to him surviving. Basically, um, as for why Sephiroth shows up is part of the, the sort of remake mystery of Sephiroth is now far more present, kind of thing, and he's starting to to, to kind of mess around with things. But um, yeah, so the the mystery in the original game of who's the voice um, was was actually clarified um, to be Cloud's real self. Yeah, uh, so from the Ultimania, uh, the Whispers are seen drifting around the unconscious Cloud, trying to protect Cloud after he falls from Mako Reactor 5. So that was that's the reason why they're there. They're protecting yeah. him after he falls. So, so those Dementors are, those are like literal things. I love how you keep him. calling them Dementors. Oh, I mean, I know, I'm sorry, just when I first played this, when this came out, I was like, yeah. oh my god, all I can do is feel the Harry Potter. I'm yeah. not gonna, just in the same way, like, I'm not going to call it a VR simulator, I'm going to call it a holodeck. It's a holodeck, but, yeah, sure. Yeah. May the but, first um, be with you. So, so we should, those are not, like, the, the conversation that's occurring, but back back then you could get by with scraped knees, that's, that, that's mental. We're yeah. also just concurrently seeing something physical, meaning... Yeah, it's it's slightly it's I think it's deliberately ambiguous. It's to, supposed to be interpretive, but because the next part goes on to show Cloud visualizing himself, um, I I think rather rather than showing physical Cloud with you know um, whispers surrounding him and then 
uh, sort of meta or psychological cloud and then back to physical cloud again. I think they've, they've just, from a design perspective, they've kept it in such a way that the, the, the first physical thing that is shown is him opening his eyes in, in the church. Um, and I, 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 when, when they actually talk about back then and scraped knees, he's actually specifically referring to falling down the mountain uh, with, with Tifa as well. Nice. That's cool. That's a good one. Um, yeah, so your question was, uh, what, what was this exact question again? Well, um, if the answer had been that this is not the same answer as OG, because mm-hmm. the, if the, see, my line of thinking was, I don't think we can say it's the same thing as the OG because in the OG that the canonical answer is it's Cloud's inner psychology trying to mm-hmm. re-energize itself, etc. Mm-hmm. That there were Dementors had always bothered me. I assumed that that's wait. Does this mean that Dementors are in his head? It, does that mean the fate? That, you know, like mm-hmm. I would worry. And then that going along with the whole, you know, are the Dementors sephiroth's will or not or yes or no etc seems a little ambiguous i was curious if that meant that that scene is different in the next and the cloud's going to hear voices in the next mm-hmm. game which are not just him trying to get out but are we more can sephiroth manipulation we can take uh that and and associate it also with chapter one uh when you're doing the bombing reactor bombing the reactor mm-hmm. uh right before planting the bomb in the original game, it was like, careful, it's not just a reactor or something like that. Uh, yeah. But we don't hear that this time. It was just, and then like the, the, the feather. feather instead. So I think we can yeah. associate that Sephiroth is also in Cloud's mind. So you have Cloud's yeah. true self in there talking about scraped knees, but then guess who else can interfere with that subconscious talk? It's Sephiroth standing next to him. And he's like, I'm your everything. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just like, whoa, wait, yeah. what's happening? How did you get here? Yeah. So, um, uh, Do you want a, a little extra tidbit as well? Um, so the line that appears at, at the beginning of the original game with, you know, watch out, this isn't just a reactor, mm-hmm. that's actually unused text from an, an older version of the game mm-hmm. where before Cloud and Sephiroth enter into Genova's chamber, Sephiroth has a monologue that talks about macro reactors and how they're destroying the world so he's actually aware of this um and also um, part of that talks about how the the macro drawn from the reactor is one of the reasons that there's monsters uh have become so prominent on mount nebo but that actual monologue was cut from the old game but they didn't cut the reference to it at the oh. start of the so there you uh, go that's cool so like is it commented out code or something that you can see like that that's what the dialogue was referring to yeah um i th- i think it i think it appears in ultimate omega but it definitely appears uh, in shade mp's series of unused text and nice. he, oh, he's de- he's definitely included included odysseus has actually been putting a lot of that into uh mod mm-hmm. yep mm-hmm. that's awesome 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 mm. tidbits there. Um, all right, so do you want to move on to another question there, Rob? Sure, if if, if that's a time allows. So, yeah. okay, so I feel like we have an answer, but a not answer in something. Which is, I mean, the simple question is, why can Rufus see the whispers, arbiters, dementors, whatever we're going to call them? Um, mm. Now, I, I feel like the the 
this is where I feel like there's a little confusion I have. I feel like the, the, the straight answer from the Ultimania, if I recall correctly, is basically just those whose destinies are important to the planet, blah, blah. And that's fine. Mm -hmm. um, but seemingly the beginning, it's, it seems like there's a lot of other scenes in the game which seem to imply it's all about the physical touch. Yeah. Right? Like Cloud was important for the planet originally. Mm -hmm. um, but he saw nothing until Aerith grabbed him, um, and then so on and so forth. That you know, physically, you got. It, it seems for a lot of things you got to have physical contact. But then I don't know who the heck touched Rufus, who is in any way um, infected with memories of the future, for example. Mm -hmm. I, I, is there something to resolve there? It was uh, directly answered in one of the Ultimanias, and yeah. I can't seem to find it, but it was basically saying sure. uh, that the whispers appear to those who have a direct influence on the like destiny of the planet. Right. Uh, Cloud is able to see the whispers, not because Aerith touches, her, uh, touches him, but because the whispers come in contact with him. Uh, and then... Like during that but whole no, because they were attacking Aerith. They were attacking Aerith in chapter two. Cloud they didn't interfered. Touch him yeah, he he like he was there. No, no, she, she, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but he he didn't see anything until grabbed she, him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think it was that moment where Cloud now became like he, the presence had to be known to Cloud. Uh, the the whispers felt like he was now interfering. Or something like that, and Rufus. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's also there's also confirmation that the whispers themselves yeah. uh, can choose to, to show them. Yes. Um, yeah. From the from the Rufus perspective, um, he does actually have physical contact with Cloud, mm. by because they have a battle. Um, True. But Rufus, uh, outside of outside of the main party, Rufus probably has one of the biggest impacts or m most influential roles in the entire story. Mm -hmm. You know, not not just being the president of Shinra, but he was also had a very important role in Avalanche uh, right. from the sort of before Crisis and presumably um, in the, the remake out. version of, of Avalanche. Yeah. And, you know, obviously that falls into Advent Children and, and sort of being the one to recover Genova's remains. He also unlocks... The, the crater yeah i mean like it yeah. was because of him mm -hmm. it, exactly there's um it's not explicitly stated but it's heavily implied within dodge of cerberus that he finances the wro um so in across the entire compilation rufus has a major role which there therefore implies that if the whispers are going to appear to anyone who has the potential of affecting the course of destiny then rufus certainly text those boxes mm -hmm. so yeah so basically that question has kind of been answered but it's been answered in text uh so sure not in game i think of course i think Bugenhagen is going to be the one to kind of reveal all of this like the whisper yeah. like literally just say what has been in the ultimania the Bugenhagen will just say the whispers appear to those who have direct influence over the destinies blah 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 whoever they choose to come in or to show or comes in contact with them blah 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 uh so i think that will be answered in rebirth um yeah but it has been officially answered just not in the game it kind of yeah and yeah. i i think there's still there's room for like like in order to know why the whispers would choose mm -hmm. to to get involved we need to know what their goal is yeah. we're told it's you know has to do with 
preserving fate mm -hmm. but it, it, there's <laughs> why mm -hmm. uh what is what does their version of fate look like does it does it match ours does it even mm -hmm. match the og we actually don't have any of those answers it's fair mm -hmm. i think yeah. but i think like if you were to take out the ultimanias and say because you know 90 percent, 99 percent of the people that play the game have are not going to know what was meant to be presented by the whispers we do know that um we know that during one of the whisper invasions uh in uh in at the end of chapter four cloud actually says i'm pretty sure you can't even see them unless they come into contact with you mm. so that was an in-game explanation mm. what is an in-game explanation for why dung can't see them yeah. but who for sure probably came into contact with Aerith, who could see them right um but not but rufus could see them and the answer is really clearly for the you know for the audience for the lay audience it's to let us know rufus is a big deal and he's probably for people that have played the OG and don't, um, you know, read Ultimanius, which is still a huge amount of people. Mm -hmm. uh, this is very few people's first rodeo into FF7. They're going to be like, he's going to play a bigger deal this time. Yep. That's what. That's the most important piece of information being conveyed about that. Like the reason I think that they're vague about the the technical answers uh, with you know why how do the whispers work is because you know there's a good chance that what the whispers are meant to represent is something akin to the negative live stream they have a lot of right. um visual similarity with the negative live stream mm -hmm. what's the negative live stream you ask well you would have to like read you would have to watch the advent children commentary video to understand that it's the stuff that sephiroth uses in advent children and then has ties with dirge cerberus stuff mm -hmm. but again because it's the ant antithesis of this other deus ex machina mm -hmm. the live stream which has vague vacuous and incredibly convenient plot elements that will you know come into play whenever it's convenient i'm sure that the negative live stream too could also do whatever the hell it wants mm -hmm. you know uh, from a from a story perspective um, now, is it is is it clear to you, gentlemen, what specifically the Dementors were trying to do around the Shinra building? Like, presumably they're trying to keep someone in or out. I can't name for you exactly who that is, what that is. Hmm. Presumably, like, you're talking about when they like start to swirl around the building. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I, they... I don't know why they're surrounding the building, and I assume that the answer to that is some. That in some way has something to do with rebirth. I don't know, because... Doctor Molt, because it looks super badass. Like, <laughs> I, 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 think, uh, I, I think that's more Touché, the answer. Touche, sir. Touche. I, I think that's more the answer. I, I think you could. They could come up with some BS like, um, oh well, they were panicking and lost, and they didn't know what else hmm. to do. Like, they could literally say that, and we'd be like, okay, whatever. <laughs> okay. Like. <laughs> you know um uh but yeah there has been there has been uh you know uh i think you know reasonable attempts to say hey they're trying to prevent zach from getting in you know but mm -hmm. that doesn't really line up chronologically either mm -hmm. to be honest yeah i don't know 
I mean, it's a good question. I just, uh, I, yeah. I, I kind of wonder if it would be addressed. I mean, I know that, or I would hope at least that the wall of whispers, when she reaches her hand out and turns it into yeah. like a, a white wall of whispers, and then opens up a different portal, I would imagine that seems important. Yeah, yeah, I imagine that would have to be directly addressed in the game. Yeah, like something yeah. like that. I don't know about swirling the Midgar Tower. It's interesting. Yeah. I just don't know if they would I, do that. I I recall reading something recently that, and I I could be wrong as to whether or not this was an official quote, but I I, I think it was pre the the explanation, the official explanation was given was pretty vague. Mm. In terms of it's just the volume of whispers that collected there was because they were something so substantial mm. that. That was that was changing. They just recognized that we were getting to the point of no return. Mm. Now. Yeah. So but the official that, answer that is shit's it. fucked. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's it. yeah. And Earth is like, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta do something here. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, and they, like you said, it seemed seemingly they fell right into Sephiroth's plan there. But you know, Aerith seemed to have done something that she wanted to do. Like. Um, so it's very interesting. These are questions that I think have to be addressed. Um, and I think they have to be addressed in Rebirth in order for uh, at least addressed to the point where it's like, this is why I did, this is what I did. Um, and then still, there can still be some more mystery around that. But I still think whispers, I think are something that needs to be addressed in Rebirth. I don't think you can keep that going. I think it, the plot has to the narrative the full narrative has to uh explain this and they cannot just overlook it so i'm in a way as much as i hated the whispers i'm in a way yeah. i'm glad that they're back just because you can't just ignore what just happened you have to address that that's that's writing um mm -hmm. so yeah that's a great question for rebirth to answer that is a great one um and i'm curious yeah. if if any press is still in Aerith. Mm -hmm. By which I mean to say, does Aerith know what she shouldn't know, so to speak? The mechanism by which she was losing that was that the Dementors would, you know, they tagged with her. Mm -hmm. um, I, I do want to clarify. Secret. I do want to clarify that real quick because that get, that gets thrown around like it is a hundred percent resolved. Mm -hmm. There is no Ultimania quote that specifically says. That the whispers have taken memories from Aerith. Her knowledge. A piece of her. We don't. We don't even know that. We just. We just know. Yeah. It just. It. She says it feels like a piece of me is being taken away, and you could make very reasonable assumptions that that means okay, knowledge fair. and memory. Definitely. Sure. I think that's safe. But if it ends up being I something else, no, if it ends up being something else, we can't be like, oh yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. spot on. You're 100 percent right, and, yeah. and I thank you because it's very important to be careful about assumptions. That's what I expect a man of such philosophy pedigree, right? Um, but uh, so, so <laughs> postulating that it's knowledge in some form, this mean that hey, what what Aerith has going into rebirth, she's not going to lose anymore. She's going to at least know what she's got. It's not all gone. Same same I mean, with Red Thirteen as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know the rules for transmitted knowledge from goddesses of the life stream, but uh, sure. <laughs> um, so, I mean, does that mean that, that going forward, 
and that they haven't lost everything. I don't. I, I feel like there's no reason to believe that. I don't I think mean, there's an answer to that. Fair enough. I I I wish there were, but I don't think there's an answer either. And traces of two past throws in, you know, a little bit of weirdness too, because it's uh, it's really clear that um, you know, Aerith when she's talking to to Tifa and traces of two past, um, you know, has this you know pretty strong sense of herself, you know, and she's she's retelling her her story so we don't really know what what is going to be like for Aerith out in the world you know we don't know what her connection to the live stream looks like now comparatively she's also incredibly overpowered in rebirth like i will say that uh you know i was lucky to get a hands-on preview and um she's by far like the most dynamically improved character you know so i do feel like she's not getting nerfed at least from a being able to use magic and shit thing. So I I don't know how how different she's going to feel. The first thing that we hear her say, though, is that, like, you know, a statement of ignorance. Like, why is it so green and beautiful? You know, it's like um, all of a sudden she's not so afraid of that steel sky, you know? Um, So I don't know. Like, I I, I don't... Couldn't you just say that's her acting? Um, Sure. Sure. Uh, You could say that. That's because it's like an unfalsifiable statement. Okay. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I, at least to me, like, you know, when she's like pretending, you know, like, the, I love the scene in uh, chapter eight where, uh, oh, after you finish the quest of killing the, the bug toad king or whatever it is, and, yeah. you know, Cloud says something like, ever heard of Sephiroth? Do you think he's dead? And she's like, and he says something more, and then she's like, oh ellipses kind of a thing so like you get the impression that for the most part she's good at acting and then every now and again she's like huh didn't prepare for that line and we Um, and we've we've just been given no rules for like how this revelation occurs we don't know if it's inconsistent the only things that we've heard or seen is actually like in picturing the past which is a little story that was written for the world preview book and it talks about Aerith. she gets these visions and that's why she painted the mural so what we're getting is something that's like abstract and impossible not, not necessarily something that she's going to be able to like actively call upon you know it's not like it's not just as simple as deja vu sometimes it is sometimes it's just like she get these images and without context you know in a limited single consciousness with a bunch of data like i i think this is this is reasonably consistent with the behavior you would see with somebody that's getting information they don't necessarily know uh, what to parse and somebody that you know something that somebody that is being described as more intuitive than like uh we'll say you know rational like we're not we're not expecting Aerith to do math here we're expecting her to you know be sort of uh working within subtext you know she's using that kind of as her thing and that's really convenient from a writing perspective because then you don't have to show your work mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, do you think that Aerith is aware of the... In the final scene, you see kind of a overlay of Zack walking one way. Yeah. Do you think she's a... Is that purely a picture for us, the viewer? Or do you think that that's... Is aware of that hmm. 
Right. Does it indicate that she's aware? Um, right. I think basically. I think it is definitely it is definitely mostly for us um, because okay. unfortunately, um, Aerith isn't real. Uh, they're all fictional characters, sadly. <laughs> but spoilers. I, think, I know, but but I, I do think that I do think that um, there is meant to be an indication that Aerith connects to that somehow. You know, but again, they don't have to say how. Like, they don't have to let us know, oh, Aerith sensed that this is where they were once. Or, mm -hmm. oh, I've got a weird feeling about, you know, my doppelganger dying, mm -hmm. you know, and 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 being taken away on a stretcher. Like, I, we don't, they don't need to tell us any of that. Mm -hmm. They've given mm -hmm. us no, no rules for how this works that says that they're beholden to explain what she noticed. Yeah, and one of the things to remember as well is that there's actually a gap in time. Uh, yeah, you know, while while they might be at the oh, same right. spot, so it's, yeah. it's not it's not that she's experiencing a, an actual crossover between, you know, dimensions, worlds, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, like she's she's just uh, the particularly because the there's quite a lot of symbolism across the compilation of Aerith and Water and mm -hmm. how that connects to memories and, and so on and so forth. So the fact that she experiences something when it starts to rain at that particular spot is is more just, I think, just sort of planting some seeds of you might want to think about this now mm -hmm. without, you know, it being anything, anything explicit. Mm-hmm. Uh, real quick, uh, I did say an hour and a half. I don't. I don't want to keep you guys any longer than you know. Like, are you guys good with I'm concealing okay. on a little bit more? I'm. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I. I don't have any uh, time constraints. Okay. Okay. I thought you were like, yeah, I'm not good. I'm, I don't want to go on anymore. <laughs> like I've had a <laughs> like, hey, man, that, pool. That's okay. Yeah, go that's, right. That's what I thought, yeah. <laughs> All right. No, awesome. I, I, I'm, I can stomach BBC a little bit longer. I is a little bit longer, man. Yeah. Just a little bit. I, his Thank zipper you. was coming down and it was getting exciting, <laughs> and then he put it back. I was like, God yeah, damn it, man. <laughs> For audio knuckles. listeners, that's going to oh. sound fun. Uh, his yeah. zipper was coming yeah. down a little bit. Those of you just True. listening on audio, you're missing quite Oh, show. you're missing it. You should have called yeah. on to YouTube Never anyway. Again. Come on. Who uh, who so, listens so, to the uh, podcast? You know, go to YouTube. I did. That's how I began being a fan. Because, like, I only justified, like, oh, I've... I'm going to listen to just FF stuff and just screw around. I have to at least be exercising. I appreciate it. Then you corrupted me, because now look at me. Instead of going dancing tonight, now I'm doing FF. So clearly, oh, I'm in the enthralled. So, oh, man. You know, exercising your mind. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> um, well, unfortunately, it doesn't got to pay the bills with the wife, I don't think. So. Uh, <laughs> well, it sure isn't for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, 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 Doctor Molt, man. Uh, I do. I want to keep this moving along a little bit here with yes, uh, with chat as well. Chat, this is what, you know. Do you have any questions as well, Chad? Like, I see you guys are just, you know, I mean, like, you guys are just they're unloading, in and this is awesome. I love yeah, all of the conversation it. you guys have going on here. Um, I'm trying to keep up with him, but I'm also keeping active in the conversation here. But yeah. uh, thank you so much for being active over there. Now's the time where I'm going to be really looking at them and maybe even fielding some questions. Uh, so go ahead and get those in. Dr. Mold, yes. if there is, is there something in your document of questions yes. here that we're like, oh, yes. man, if we passed over that, I'm going to be, I'm, you know, it's like, man, I really should have asked that. You know what I mean? 
So is there something in there that you wish you, you just want to get out there right now? I have made sure to get the highest priority items first. Okay. Uh, so, so don't worry about me. I mean, I, I got plenty more questions as you can see here, but you know, some of these are, I was going for thoroughness rather than, you know, uh, yeah. some of these questions I think are a little obvious, but I tried to take the attitude, Hey, all you did is play the game. Mm -hmm. What do you know? Especially since, you know, I'm Fair. used to for things like for Zelda timeline where, you know, like, okay. And the devs said this, and then, you know, six months later, they were like, oh, well, the metaphor when I said yeah. I is 3.1415, I didn't actually mean, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, not that I'm saying we shouldn't, but too seriously. Uh, I guess if I were going to say one thing, I, I think uh, this is maybe a nice before crisis uh, related question, so therefore perfectly suited for these fine gents. Have you started history yet, Baby Seal? Have I started what? Your playthrough of Before Crisis? Uh, I'm I'm not doing a playthrough. I'm just watching the YouTube oh, translation. Right, okay. but, uh, I was curious. Um, I, I and I, I have I've, I've made it about halfway through. Grimoire. It's slow going. Is it Grimoire Valentine from YouTube? Yes, Grimoire. Yeah, Grimoire. God from him. Yeah. So yeah. why does Rude swerve his helicopter when Reno is about to shoot? This could be an easy one. You know, we get the you ball going. What do you got, Seal? He has a crush on her. That's it. But he doesn't. But he hasn't <laughs> met her yet. How do you know? Maybe he just saw her running up the stairs and like, God, dang, don't shoot her. What are you <laughs> doing, sure bro? What are, <laughs> what are we, you doing? We, I mean, I, I mean, we, I know in the original, right? Like the whole game code is written that he doesn't even attack her, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I mean, it's it, it, instant. You know, maybe it's just instantly as he's about okay. to attack. Oh, right. whoa, whoa, whoa. And then he likes, or there's a theory that he was trained by the same uh, person, uh, Zangan. So, like, if he was trained by Zangan, maybe he studied with her, possibly. Maybe? Yeah, bear in mind, this is this is 24 hours after the Macro Reactor Five bombing mission, so the Tucks I assume have been briefed on oh, yeah. who was present there. there. So he he's they got cameras in... everywhere. I mean, they've got yeah. cameras. To make you know, make all the reactor bombings inside oh, jobs. Like, you know, if they want to show, if they want to show off Tifa, yeah, and let's, rude, not they let's, 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 let's be let's be really. He clear is about not it. that cheap a day. Yeah, okay? from, I yeah, think he from, needs more than just Tifa's hotness. Yeah, from from an, <laughs> he's had from his an heart broken before though. From an avalanche perspective, it makes sense that he already knows. Bear in mind that Tifa is already a semi-celebrity in the slums. She owns Seventh yeah. Heaven. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Okay. There, there's right. no there way the Turks, the, the there's no way the Turks didn't know Don't who know she was. Her. Yeah. I feel like I feel like he's known about her at some point. But yeah, it's a crush. It's a crush on Tifa. So either they met her before and that trained with her. It would be a cool little history. Who knows? I mean, my desperate hail mary passes. I just remember. Before crisis, Rude is emotionally attached to that informant to Avalanche, and yeah. I don't know if we're supposed to infer something like, "Oh, he hmm. sees in that random woman oh. in Before Crisis hmm. something similar to Tifa." I mean, I, it's a stretch, but that's all head. But I mean, I take I, your point I, that it could be that she's, I, you know, a mini I, celebrity. I mean, I like that. I like the idea that that maybe Rude is is uh a, already starting the seeds of sympathy because if you know you know um rufus is sort of 
positions himself to be the de, de facto leader of 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 the Turks like fairly early on in remake like 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 kind of a little bit surprising like our first introduction to anything involving Rufus in the OG is he just shows up and he's a dick but like there's there's subtext saying that he's kind of involved with the Turks like you know mm-hmm. Sung communicating with them and stuff like that so it does feel like maybe there's a subplot that that enriches uh oh you know the sympathetic elements of the turks earlier on another thing is that he doesn't harm Aerith either so like when you're fighting against Aerith yeah. and cloud he no, he doesn't harm Aerith either so he could just be a gentleman you know what i mean like he could just be a really good okay gentleman. yeah yeah i just interpret that as oh the turks yeah. can't hurt Aerith, but i like i like that I like but he does that. A, I like, that like officially have a crush on Tifa, like that is, I th- I don't know where it's from, but there is, it's in oh, the, the original OG. game. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah it's yeah. in the original game. Yeah. Uh, so um, I mean, just, just to clarify though, in um, in the actual fight at the top of the pillar in remake, mm-hmm. he will he will actually attack Tifa. Um, oh, at, at points, yeah. Because so, he's like, listen, duty calls. I got to do what I got to do. All right, I got a mission. He tries he tries not to, but he will actually attack her. Yeah. Uh, but all right, so so got another one out there for us, Doctor Mo. That was a, that was a quick one. All right, so, I mean, I, this is a question of the OG equally as remake. The OG, you get different definitions of the promised land. Hmm. What that means, that at a Midgar, you ask Eris, and she's like, I don't really know. At a Cosmo Canyon, I think it's Elder Hidalgo or something like that. Tells you like no, it's it's a it's a metaphor. Then later, after the Temple of the Ancients, Eris is like, oh, it's the place where Sephiroth is going to use the Black Materia to summon Meteor. It's a very definite, real thing. Hmm. So, I think if you go only by the text of the original game, it, it's a contradictory or open to interpretation, depending upon how you look at it. In in the wider aspect of a the the compilation, but b where you think they're going with this, given mm. the you know what we saw in the holodeck and the emphasis on the importance of you know Neo Midgar, all that kind of crap. A what is the promised land in the OG? B what do you think the promised land is this time around? Especially given all the crap about you know, Eris's sorry Aerith's visions of and the mural etc. Baby Seal, do you want to take this or? I still think the promised land is um is is going to be a open to interpretation. I don't think it's going to be a specific spot. Yeah. The, I think that's the first the, the ultimate Amiga actually does clarify that the 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 promised land is no one thing. It changes from the person to person. For President Shinra, the promised land was the the Mako enriched area that new bit Midgar could be built for mm-hmm. Sephiroth. The Promised Land was the area of abundant Mako that he could use to summon Meteor. For the Cetra, the Promised Land, according to Elder Hargo, is the afterlife. Mm-hmm. The the place that they come to at the end of their journey. It's not it's not a physical place. What they mean is they get to rest when they, they pass. So that and that's the answer can, yeah. to the question is that there is no one specific Promised Land. And uh gotcha. yeah and like in if you asking about uh rebirth uh, I think yeah. maybe that new universe that's being born uh, in the edge of creation is Sephiroth's promised land. Like that's basically, oh, I think, I think it's just kind of like up to cool. interpretation, just like they said, uh, just like baby seal and, and Mo said, where it's just kind of like, it's up to the person who 
who imagines what is the perfect world type thing. Whereas, mm -hmm. you know, like the Cetra, the perfect world is a world where life and death is a cycle and you become part of the planet again. And it, you know, that's what, that's what life is. You know what I mean? You, you live, die, become part of the planet again and, uh, and feed the spiritual energy and stuff like that, which I think is the true promised land, but it's all up to interpretation from there. And it's, I mean, that could be also real world, real world commentary as well. Uh, of what other people consider to be the perfect system, mm -hmm. you know. Well, that that's that's it. That's why you know why there is no one true utopia mm -hmm. is because everyone has a different interpretation of what what that utopia should look like, often contradictory. So it's not it's not possible to please everyone, which is why there cannot possibly be one promised land because what that looks like for one person doesn't necessarily tick the boxes for you know this place of eternal happiness for for someone else yep very important lore question will we see will we be able to find tifa's orthopedic underwear yes mm. yes mm. well there's a hold I, I, I absolutely not I, I don't think they'll do that this time around because for for not, ratings not a believer anymore not yeah. not the not the uh underwear i don't think they're gonna do that uh but i mean like they've already had the same exact dialogue the same exact yeah. dialogue for uh did you well, actually play it and you you know like the piano like and he's like, yeah, I, yeah. I think the options were like, I went to town on it or something. Like or, that. Yeah, yeah, I jammed yeah, yeah. on it a little. Just, yeah. yeah, well, no, in in remake or rebirth, the one of the yeah. options oh, is went to town on it or something like that. Just played the piano, so it seems like they kind of have that. Uh, at least from my perspective, it seems like that flashback, that part of the flashback, is going to be intact, which was something that I was questioning leading into it, where I thought it was just going to pick up right from the flashback, maybe oh. the the truck pulling in, but yeah. I think they actually answered this a little bit because they said that they were originally they going to have that they, they were originally going to have um, Tifa's room be explorable and for you to be able to find things sim as a callback mm. to and they said that this that uh, the ratings people said no. <laughs> Um, There's that team rating honeybee, again, yeah. man. God dang it, dude. Yeah, yeah. So I I I think. What I yeah I think that's gone. Interesting. I mean, it makes it makes it makes sense. There, there are a couple of tweaks, if I recall, yeah. to Yuffie's Yuffie's design. Yuffie's. Um, oh yeah, she has a belt. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, all that other. Yeah, um, which yeah. which was because Yuffie's obviously a sixteen-year-old, and yeah. at the time of the Nibelheim flashback, Tifa's fifteen. So it's not. I'm. I'm okay. Right. I never it. made that yeah. connection before. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Wow, so there's, there's no scene. there's no way they would they would allow that. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Never mind. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if there's going to be like some sort of like fun nod to it. Like it might be like if you go up to the dresser, she's going to be like, no. And he's like, no, I didn't do it. <laughs> or something. Yes, I don't know. No, yeah. that, that would be, yeah. that would be tasteful. This would be, well, you know, it's clear that like Sephiroth's trying to separate, you know, mm. Cloud from Tifa. Like that's a, that was a takeaway from the Summer Games Fest. Uh, yeah. trailer because you know Tifa is obviously kind of critical to uh, Cloud uh, gaining autonomy you know from, from Sephiroth so maybe that's where it happens is it's like you know Sephiroth just shows up like yeah. I'd let you look at my panties <laughs> you know, like, and, then, and he's like I'm in I'm and, you know, <laughs> sorry sorry I'm out 
I let you. You let me go on that one, yeah. Yeah. You shouldn't have let me go on that. I mean, alternatively, it was the the underwear is so bad that Cloud Cloud can't ever form a relationship with Tifa. Oh wow! I love that we spent at least five minutes. I I expected it would go like this; it'd be like a quick laugh, and I had the next thing lined up. But he's like, "No, no, no, no! We got to get shows you what I know. Deep lore here. Uh (laughs) I'd let you look at mine." Minutia of the OG that we cannot overanalyze here. Oh, Sephiroth, mm-hmm. back at it again, man. That's how he gets you. That's how he gets you, man. <laughs> we we got to cite the, that lovely meme about, did you know canonically that Sephiroth's hair smells like the hell it is they say in, in, uh, ever, in um, Crisis Core? Crisis Core. Uh, yeah. I forget exactly what they said it was, but like, yes, that's official canon. That yeah. Theory I should keep in mind of whatever the heck it is that they said yeah. his hair smells like. Yeah, it smells uh, like green and sadness. Say again. Uh, subtext says, uh, he, it says another question, but I don't see the first question. Sorry about that, Subtext. Uh, it says, Cloud survives his fall to the church without Whispers in the original. In the remake, Whispers help him survive the fall. Is the implication that the Whispers were always involved in some way? I, I would like That's to... That's a good question. I would like to strongly disagree. <laughs> um, I, I don't know, man. Like... I would like to strongly disagree with that because there's also the if you got to take into consideration. Well, yeah, they saved him from the fall. They made sure he survived. They they saved him on the highway where they yeah. make sure the plate or the the bridge doesn't fall on him. Um, I just think maybe in that instance, if I wanted to, like I don't think that bridge falls down in the original game. Uh, but right. now there's yeah. a lot going on that's changing, and the whispers are desperate to to make sure everything goes okay. But uh, the fall from uh, in the original game, Cloud didn't have the the little zip line thing either. Uh, it was also much shorter, according to what Jesse says. But I don't know if we go off of that. Um, like the plates were only what like fifty meters, but uh, yeah. but we don't have to go off of that kind of stuff to get into that. But uh, yeah, I mean, like it's I, I don't know. I don't think they were there at all times. I, I would like to not think that fate or whispers had anything to do with them being heroic and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, well okay, so the, okay. this was a question that was actually asked in the retrospective. Really? Mm-hmm. And the answer was they were just there monitoring it. It was a really annoying like, non-answer from Toriyama. Yeah, they were just there checking it out. Spoilers. Yeah, they were that, just checking it out. That's kind of the point. So if, they're if, there, the, yeah. if the original yeah. game was the preferred timeline, why would they interfere? Um, the yeah. other thing is that they, they are likened to the cries of the planet, which you do here. Yeah, and Not, the old games. Yeah. So technically speaking, you are hearing the whispers. You just don't see them. Mm, um, yeah. So it's a bit. It's obviously, it's, they've been injected retrospectively. Um, but yeah, the, the official answer is they they were there. Which interesting. Is, I can imagine that. For me, but, yeah. yeah, I can imagine yeah, that yeah, the, yeah. the spirits are there, or like they're there. But then, then the whole like, what come first? What what came first? uh is right. the uh is the whole like question like so if the whisper... it's the same way that deep ground was always there it's the same way that omega always yeah. existed yeah. it's the same no, way but... that and jill were always mm-hmm. you know part of, you know it's, it doesn't actually change anything yeah well i, I think mm-hmm. that part of what he's getting at is that if, if you if you say they were always there mm-hmm. that starts to put some constraints on whether this is timeline 
versus multiverse. And I know that those are really loaded terms mm -hmm. to use. And unfortunately, you're talking with somebody who is excessively opinionated about the proper use of those terms in physics. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but, but like, I feel like if you say, if you have the idea that it's all one timeline, that Eris went back in time, whatever I mean by that, that, that then, you know, what it means to say that, that the whispers were always there is different as opposed to is it, if it's a bunch of multiverses then you could say oh yeah the whispers are apparently a invariant depending upon your frame of reference and just in every different multiverse you got some whispers hanging out because they're to watch so here's a, a good question from uh delta sin uh so delta sin by the way go follow delta sin on on twitter awesome stuff you know what i mean like mm -hmm. i mean i do some i do some analysis and I do it on my own terms, right? Like I'm sitting over here, I I stay away from all videos and breakdowns and I just do it on my, I just frame by frame, writing my own things down. And then I'll publish my video and then I go look at Delta Sin and I'm just like, man, you, <laughs> you've really, you've really found a lot. Uh, so Delta Sin is, is always uh, doing some crazy breakdowns over on, on Twitter. I don't know if Delta Sin has a YouTube, uh, but definitely check check out delta sin on twitter now yeah, so what really interesting stuff. yeah so what are the magnata the magnata automats uh it seems this is the like the bookstore in final fantasy 7 mm -hmm. rebirth there's a bookstore there's like a like a, almost like a jukebox looking thing uh that you can go up to uh is at the chocobo farm um it seems like they could be like the orchestrations uh from like the jukebox but i mm -hmm. have to wonder why they would use such a cryptic name uh, so from my observations of this, the Magnata bookstore, I kind of associate this as the official bookstore that sells those manuscripts that you find throughout, uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake. Uh, like yeah. the, even when you look at those books, when they have like the cool, when you go into the menu and you can see the cool graphic yeah, of what uh, the books look like, it looks very ancient. Uh, or, or like Cetrin in a way, right? I don't know. So I think the word Magnata is just a, a, a Cetrin word maybe, but uh, the cool thing about that also I can relate to them is that in the original game, in order to get Aerith's uh, final limit breaker, that's in the old the old man's house no the the, the house uh that he was like he had the, oh, the sleeping man he was yeah no no no, 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 no. no. he was talking oh, about the one the right, one right. Oh, you're right no it, um yeah. it was yeah. in the bookshelf he had he, he knew all about this stuff about the temple of the ancients uh but he didn't believe any of it to be like true or whatever but he also had a book about the cetron like well, ultimate he, stuff. is he not the guy that, is there not something that that he had the keystone but gave it to Dio. Yes, he yes. had. He's a co yes. collector, right? So he had, he had the keystone, gave it to D uh, Dio. Uh, he doesn't believe in any of that stuff, so he doesn't even believe it exists. So I had like come up with this head cannon that his father maybe he inherited it from his father, who was a collector of like Cetran artifacts, and locked away this really important book. I would imagine now that we have a visual of it, maybe got it from Magnata Books, uh, but it was locked away. So. It carries on the same uh, function uh, where these books give you limit breaks or abilities or whatever. So I think Magnata, in my opinion, I think this is going to be the official bookstore of those manuscripts that you find throughout um, 
remake. That's my opinion. What do you guys think? And I think it's Cetron related. I mean, well, yeah. or at least Aerith's. Aerith stuff is Cetron related. The uh, like the the art of sword play might be something different. <laughs> no, I think all the stuff is Cetra. All okay. of it, like so much of it, is like super Cetra coded. We're getting more Cetra related, like lore from the first soldier stuff and ever crisis like we're gonna get more etc information yeah like and we're getting more of like an actual timeline of how like the world system was built like mm -hmm. the republic of junon yeah. all of that stuff like we're getting like a real uh real look at at the way a society would have built upon this cataclysm you know and so um i think that uh it's I do think that there's obviously a gameplay mechanism that's built in really heavily to the the bookstore that we're talking about. And um, beyond that, I don't want to speculate any further. Yeah, but I'm sure we'll know real soon. You know. Yeah, and then like to to kind of go off the the magnata being uh, associated with Temple of Ancients. Look at the imagery behind us or in this background, like. This is the Temple of the Ancients, and it looks... It has the whole circle imagery. It has the key, the yeah. keyhole imagery. Uh, yeah. Very, very closely related, in my opinion. Um, and then Subtext, I'm going to throw this one over to Mo. Um, Subtext asks, uh, how, how do you guys expect this uh, Temple of the Ancients to play out in Rebirth? Good question. Um, I... This goes back to what Sephiroth's endgame actually is, because if his endgame, the, the Sephiroth that we're encountering throughout Rebirth um, in a way that we didn't in the original game, if his endgame differs from the original Sephiroth, then does he still need the Black Materia? Mm -hmm. But the fact that the Temple of the Ancients is present well, in the well, game indicate, well, indicates it, that he does. When you, just to, to clarify, when you say Sephiroth there, are you talking... Chapter 18 Sephiroth? Are you talking like Sephiroth and the Northern Crater Sephiroth? Okay, so in, in the original game, uh, Sephiroth and the Northern Crater was projecting his image onto uh, the Black Cloaked Men using the power of Genova. Okay, right. so um, when I'm talking about OG Sephiroth, I'm talking about Northern Crater Sephiroth. Right, go ahead. Um, so depending on what the end game is now again going back to this idea that all incarnations of Sephiroth and Rebirth are working you know to the same uh, the same goal um, I would have to assume that because we, we've over the course of Remake been shown Meteor a number of times um, and the Temple of the Ancients itself is the Black Materia, I would have to assume mm -hmm. that part of Sephiroth's goal involves Meteor and the Black Materia. So I don't actually anticipate that too much is going to change from a narrative perspective, but what I would really like to see is a lot more of the Cetron lore included, because you know one, one of the things that you know is not really picked up on by the casual player is that when you visit the city of the ancients uh, in the, the the old game it seems to be you know because there's there's the sort of blue glowing orbs around there's there's a degree of civilization there you know beyond what is shown at the temple of the ancients which has the sort of hieroglyphs of 
you know, almost Egyptian-like hieroglyphs, mm-hmm. which indicates that there were there was at least two separate civilizations present, or, or, or for the ancients that that were present in the the history of the OG. So I would really like to see that expanded upon. I think we've already touched that with the the wall mural in Aerith's bedroom at, at Shinra HQ. Um, mm-hmm. But from a narrative perspective, it's obviously very possible that they'll, they'll change it, but I don't anticipate that they will because I think it's tight enough and relevant enough to where the story's going that they don't really have to. But, you know, I'm open to speculation on that. I I personally think it's going to be uh, more important and impactful than anything Bugen ha- Hagen has to say mm-hmm. uh, because I think there's a real clear reason it was chosen as the menu background mm-hmm. yeah. uh, in fact I mean so what is the, the, the literal interpretation of the fact that you open up the menu and you're inside the temple of the ancients mm-hmm. the literal interpretation is that you are in side the black materia so and when you look at what the ancients are what the temple of the ancients is it's sort of and there's there's ultimania quotes and and if you just like look at it it's a time capsule like it's a it's a snapshot of the various stages of setran development so it's like a capsule of that society so um, I think it's extremely relevant, and whatever is really going on with timelines or live streams or you know converging continuities, it'll happen there, and we'll get answers and subtext there ah, more so than we will than we will at uh, Bugenhagen. Bugenhagen will like maybe teach us some language. It'll teach us terms, give us terminology to put meaning to what we see at the temple of the ancients which is going to be that you know like three quarters of the way through the story mm. you know narrative peak and then it's it slopes down into the ending i'm almost you know? like chapter 17 temple of the ancients i think it's going to be like you get this is what you're going to be talking about for the for the next four years like the freaking temple yep. of the ancients and then chapter 18 well i don't know maybe it's they do what they did with like remake where you know 16 temple of the ancients 17 the forgotten capital and 18 right. the unknown journey like we don't know what the heck yeah. is going to happen uh but um go back to the halter of the man I had a question did the teen rating have sexual suggestive themes on it it has violence blood mild suggestive themes language and use of alcohol and tobacco um and then we can Sid. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> there also, there is also I, the Australian the Australian one. Um, it clarifies this a little bit. For the SRB says that, that it rates higher for nudity, but not as high for sexual content. Hmm. So expect more, and as re, as remake. So expect probably more skin at yes. say like I don't know a certain beach town, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. but maybe less. Oh, Joe. Sorry. Hojo yeah. is gonna be in his yeah. full lab coat, dude. Don't don't you worry about yeah. seeing Hojo skin. <laughs> I guarantee we see. I have my priorities here. 
I guarantee we we get disgusted by Hojo at Costa. Del Sol. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. the degree of love and obvious and just the tiny bits of dialogue we've seen so far is such that cannot get me to believe that they would leave us bereft mm. of Hojo on the beach surrounded by beautiful women mm. or yeah. marshmallow sailor suit Barrett. Like they will yes. not betray yeah, us. Yeah, I, yeah. I have faith yeah. in that. I think the, I, I I would personally love to see Hojo wearing his white lab coat, but just like a little pair of speedos. Under. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Or yeah, we can go just, off of what Baby Seal said, and then we can see Sephiroth, you know, showing yeah. off his underwear. You know, <laughs> yeah. so I'll let you see mine. <laughs> yeah. So, so this is a question that I had posed to the Warrior Pipe a few oh, weeks yeah. ago. I love but how you I, refer I like... to me every time like that. Keep it going, <laughs> sir. Mm-hmm. I you. understand your title, and it deserves yeah. to be acknowledged. Thank you, <laughs> thank you. Um, that I'd be very curious to hear what you fine gentlemen have to think about this. So, no work of art is perfect, and times change. Even if there is such a thing as a perfect art for its time, um, you know, there are various things that, in the original, maybe uh, you know, have to be done a little differently this time around in the same analogous time span. Uh-huh. Uh, so, for example, before I had mentioned to him, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, like, okay, uh, how they handle Sid and Shara, I want to change that up. How are you going to handle, you know, Ketchy betrays the party and <laughs> holds Marlene hostage and Cloud's response isn't to just he had him, you know, there's various things that maybe you want to see done differently. And I mean, I know for me, Remake was wonderful in that I could feel the love of any details that they preserved. And they took a few things that, you know what, this could be better, and they made it better. And it's fine, right? Things do not have to be a bloody carbon copy to be excellent. What things would you want maybe to have changed compared to the source material this next phase that might mm. enrich the characters or might make the plot maybe a little bit more consistent. I would love to see a deeper explanation of the relationship between Red Thirteen and Bugenhagen, particularly about you know what what was the deal with his parents? How does that tie into the the right to appease the planet that we see in Before Crisis? Mm-hmm. I'd like to know an awful lot more about Red Thirteen's species because it, it's just. Brushed under the carpet. Yeah. 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 I I agree. I agree. I would. I said. I I I said last week that I would like to see the whole uh, Kate Sith sacrifice. Just go ahead and get rid of that. Um, That would. That's like the only thing that I would take away. Um, Yeah. So like, uh, I I don't. I don't want to like keep you guys a little. I mean, I know we're we're past the two hour marker here, so we're gonna. I think I just want to make sure I'm not going to miss anything from chat. You guys have been awesome. Thank you so much for, for tuning in. Yep. Um, a pleasure. I would like to conclude with going, uh, let's go to baby seal, baby seal. Is there anything else that you would like to have, like to say today? Um, the whole topic of this conversation was remake mysteries that rebirth needs to answer. Is there something on your mind personally that you really want answers to in rebirth it's like it's got get it give me those answers so i can rest easy type thing um i think i think we need like kind of a clear concept of uh the nature of deviation from the plot 
So what I what I want to be able to know is, you know, if this is a sequel, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. we need to know that uh, how it unfolds. Uh, you know, they can they can kick those mysteries down the the can, but I I think we need to really understand the nature of this retrilogy by this. Um, like, do we have surprises in store in part three that are going to be meaningful? Or was this all a red herring? I just need to know that, you know, by the end of it. And I can kind of adjust my, uh, you know, the way that I uh, uh, approach looking at the next part. You know, is this going to be, uh, is this, are we looking at like a, are we looking at Ava rebuild or are we looking at, um, you know, Resident Evil, Evil 4 remake? Like, how how far off the rails are we going here? So I want kind of a, um, so I really want to know is at the end of this, are we going to feel like we have a solid understanding of the, we'll say, pitch and yaw of, <laughs> of the project? You know, that's that's kind of, so like, any one specific thing like that i need to i don't need to know i don't need to know who lives or dies i just need to know if you know the core um core experience is going to be uh told in a dramatically different way and and how i think we 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 determine that is um at the end of the game are we set up to uh get the live stream sequence in the same way hmm. that's the most important part of the game for me and so is that going to be is that going to be are we going to learn who cloud is are we going to learn who cloud is through the same story mm-hmm. or are we going to learn who cloud is through an altered you know set of events yeah and um that's that's the big mystery for me you know and uh and i think there's really easy ways to answer that and I, I don't want to necessarily like bury the lead, but it really it's very specifically involves the fates of three characters at the end. And I'm not gonna say the names of those characters, but depending on how that plays out, it will kind of determine um what I think the nature of this project really is. Yeah. I like that answer. I really do think that um rebirth really needs to address that like dress the whisper what it is yeah exactly what it is yeah exactly like, it is yeah. so and i think um uh, I, I was really happy when they did this a while back i i said it you know in a video when they released the name of rebirth i was like you know i'm mm-hmm. really happy they called it rebirth and not remake part two because now it's kind of setting this tone but now we need that that answer like i, I love that answer baby seal mm-hmm. um so mo i'm gonna ask you the same question uh, is there yeah. something that you just really need to know uh, that re- rebirth will hopefully answer? Uh, yeah, I I would echo uh, what Baby Seal has said. Yeah. Um, I personally feel that we we could and should find out the the mechanism that Sephiroth has been using to mm. influence uh, the the present or Sephiroth separate to Northern Crater Sephiroth. Um, how he has been influencing that, uh, not necessarily why, just just the how. Same with Aerith, um, how Aerith came to understand um, mm. the the future. I would like to know the answer, you know. And and 
you know, just as an extension to that, perhaps, you know, what what the rules are in terms of does she still have potential lingering memories of mm. the future in there that may help us uh, in the future? Same with Red Thirteen. Um, you know, I I would like to know a little bit more about the Whispers, um, but I could live without that. Um, but the big the big one for me is sort of understanding. You know, I would I want the explanation and rebirth as to how, you know, specifically let's let's break it down. Let's talk about the events in the singularity and how those mm. changed what happened with Zach. Yeah, uh, I, I I want I want to know specifics about how that impacted on Zach's timeline, yeah. um, or or world or or whatever, um, and how or what what the the sort of physics are in terms of. The, the two timelines, the two worlds, you know, mm-hmm. whatever we want to call them, just just to actually establish what we're dealing with here. I, I you know, so I, I don't necessarily need to know the answers of what direction we're headed in. I just want to know what are we dealing with, mm-hmm. um, because that will open up an awful lot of the speculation uh, for moving into part three. And, and um, I think you guys, will, I'm sure, will agree with me that part of the frustrations I suppose part of the fun as well of mm-hmm. the aftermath of remake was all the speculation that came with it, but mm-hmm. there was pretty big pieces of the jigsaw that are missing and yeah. remain missing. That is, you know, speculate as we might, we know that there's a good chance that we've got this wrong simply because we don't have fundamental pieces of information. Right. Uh, so I would like more of that just so that we can, you know, we're not flying blind in terms of the, the the kind of physics of things or the or whatnot, so yeah, I would I would like to be able to to discuss the story a lot more rather than having to worry about what's going on with yeah. the foundations, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, bef- yeah, go ahead, Doctor Maltz. Go ahead with your uh, the one thing that you really need to know in Rebirth that remake well, like raised that question what is going on between Genova and Sephiroth mm. yeah what is what's up with to me, <laughs> to me the the recurring theme when i hit a roadblock in a scene that i i can't answer certain questions to how does this jive with everything else i always come back to sort of I can rationalize my confusion in a scene that Sephiroth's actions don't seem to match up with the words or the goals or whatever it seems to come back to is there some sort of a deal that all is not well in the state of Genova Roth or whatever the heck you know whatever we whoever the heck is dominant I mean in my mind, that ex- that can be a great way to explain a lot of things I don't understand. Mm-hmm. That's, I, I mean, even by then, even if there wasn't, even if there was no remake, even if we just had the OG with nothing added, I would probably actually pose the same question because I've always been very confused mm-hmm. that you know mm-hmm. Sephiroth is seemingly the dominant creature in OG over Genova and you know explaining how that is 
to me seems a, a bit a bit tough that Genova is this amazingly powerful alien entity with the ability to conquer the world not if you've got hair as great as Sephiroth's come on mm. <laughs> come on Seph that's that's Genova's weakness <laughs> apparently uh, <laughs> so um yeah I mean like listen what do I want to know in in rebirth what is Sephiroth's end game what is fact and what is fiction yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. man, I think they're setting it up. You think they're go they, they might be setting that up? Well played. Uh, <laughs> well played. Well played. <laughs> uh, so I want to close out with uh, this message from Nojima. Uh, I'm sure they had a lot of fun playing remake, and might have doubts on what will happen from here on out. But please remember those doubts you had since. You'll probably find your answer in the future installments. And Nomura Sen says. This was a very popular game in the past, and since we are remaking it, the amount of attention it had garnered, even before it was released, was high. And there are many who voiced their concerns about the game too. However, those concerns did not affect our staff as we put in all our, or no, we put in our all to create this work. And we hope that people will be interested in it. The base for Remake has been successfully established with the first installment. So we hope to meet your expectations in the next installment too. However, personally, I think there might be some who think, since this is a remake, I don't need to play the original game anymore and just play Remake instead. But I want to prevent people from doing that. The original and the remake are two separate entities. So even if you play Final Fantasy VII Remake, I would also like you to play the original Final Fantasy game afterwards as well. Uh, so the uh, yeah, and then Katase follows up with basically saying he loves how the theories on the internet and stuff like that they reach him. So uh, yeah, I mean this is really exciting, right, guys? I mean, the freaking rebirth is is coming up. It's only in about three months. Insane yeah. to think about. Um, but yeah, so this has been our kind of podcast on, uh, remake mysteries and rebirth answers, hopefully. And yeah, and I, you guys have been great watching along in chat. I think we can go ahead and conclude this one. I am so sorry. This is what I tell my, I tell my wife this every time. I'm like, oh, I'm going to keep it like one hour this time. One and a half hours max. Yeah. You know what I mean? One and a half hour max. Uh, so just, from just now on, <laughs> <laughs> From now Wait on, me. those watching, I want you guys to uh, uh, feel a little more confident that I'm going to keep these under about about an hour long. Um, it, it, you know, obviously, uh, Mo and Baby Seal, their time is very uh, important, and I do appreciate you guys spending it with uh, well, with me tonight. So thank you. I so much. I love nothing more than than discussing Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, particularly, yes. particularly with you guys. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm very grateful. Thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah. Um, this has been a great time. So thank you so much for watching. Seal, thank you. Mo, thank you. By the uh, Greek smith that inspired Final Fantasy VII, please. And Dr. Bolt. Yeah. There it is. <laughs> All right, everybody. All of his other books, because he's an incredible author in his own right. That's right. That's right. Thanks very much. Boom. All right. Take care now. Bye-bye then.